Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Final Whistle podcast. Uh, I'm Nathan Sharp, Managing Director of the Third Team, and I'm joined by Martin Cassidy, Chief Executive of Ref Support UK and Ant Canavan for the Referee Forum. Good morning, fellas. Fuck me, Nathan. That was amazing. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting it to be a bit rough, but that was really, really smart. I loved it. The skills are learning to do that, idea. Apart from the bit where you said, fellas, don't want to alienate our female. Oh, when, I identify I as not a male. You know, me, and, me, me and Anthony, when you said fellas, instead of colleagues, you both went on this. I'm not surprised that Ant doesn't uh, identify as a fella, judging by the latest uh, <laughs> social media posts. I was going to say, so you've seen my Instagram. <laughs> Indeed I have. Well, hello to all our listeners and readers. Yeah, regardless of who or what you are, everyone is welcome here at the final whistle. Right, and I also want to apologise for losing me my wag on the Satyam case last time. Um, some of the words I was using just came from the heart. I'm not going to apologise. I'm just apologising if you're upset by it. I'm not apologising for saying it. So if yeah. anyone got upset by it, I'm sorry you're upset, but I'm not sorry for saying what I said. I if think, what yeah, happened. more people got upset by, by what had happened rather mm. than anyone's reaction to it because completely justified losing your shit about that case um martin do you want to update everyone about it because um the 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 police have been involved now and they said it's just a caution is that right yes yes ridiculous absolutely ridiculous I, I a couple of really good friends of mine who were either active police officers or the retired police officers sort of put me straight saying well that this is sort of a judicial process this is correct you know, you're wrong in what you're saying because I'm saying this should happen, that should happen. But the people who were in the framework of the police have said that's that's sort of what happens. It tells me it's 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 wrong, it's absolutely wrong. And it's okay saying, Oh, that's the law, this is the judicial system, and you know, the people are remorseful, so we say because they said they're sorry, you know, we show we mitigate that. Um the FA doing what they've done and communicating with the chief executive of London FA. Um, well, I'm not. He's communicating with me. I've sent one email back. I'm going to sort of some because I'm, I'm just livid. I think London FA going ahead with the football discipline procedure allows the Met Police to mitigate that 10-year ban. Now, if you take away the fact that the police said, oh, he was remorseful, he said he was sorry, and and um, the 10-year ban, what else have they got to mitigate that that was outrageous? And I think, you know, how do you measure remorse? You want to mitigate it? How do you measure it? It's like a meter that says, "Oh, he's really, really, really sorry," but we're not going to send him to the court. Oh, well, I'm not too sure if he's like a little bit sorry. You know, so that to me is just ridiculous. And we said before in the past, David Ellery stole our thunder or tried to steal our thunder. Sorry, I'm back into Ellery again. But we wrote to him three years ago and said, "We want the role of a match official designated as a vulnerable role." It gives you extra protection, similar to paramedics and traffic law, all these sort of people out sat in that um, vulnerable position. 
where if you if you strike or attack a referee, it's the same as, as those other occupations. Now we've been told that's relatively easy to do. It's a figure of authority. When we went along with the Fernando Lopez case, I think it was the Telegraph got in touch with Mr. Ellery, and he said, "Oh, I've approached the relevant people to um, to get a designation as a vulnerable role, like it was his idea, it wasn't it was ours." So, um, Mr. Ellery, it was in the BBC website yesterday. Last year, where are we with that position? Uh, did you get anywhere with it, or did you do what you normally do, get halfway with it, because it was trendy to talk about it, and then not to do anything with it? So that's where we all want to be. We want to be. After getting a referee designated as a vulnerable role, so we just get attacked, it's automatically going to court. You don't have to go through this bollocks. What happens with this police officer? The Met Police said, Well, we've all talked, and the sergeant says we're just going to give a simple caution. Really? Really? Well, this is the thing as well. I'll tell you for now, the guy isn't sorry about what he did. Fundamentally, he's not sorry for hitting the referee or losing his rag or anything like that. He's sorry that it was filmed and he got caught. That's what he's sorry remember about. It, remember it, because he never apologised until we started getting it out on social media. All of a sudden, he was he contacted the referee, he contacted them, and the police never mitigated that. He never said, oh, he's contacted them and offered them money to pervade the cause of justice. Yeah. So not only have you got this stupid assault, some crazy assault, you've got pervading the cause of justice. What can have just a simple caution? Too sure about that. And the police did the, the police didn't ask for the messages. County of Aid didn't ask for the messages. So if they haven't, then let's do another charge. But you know, how, how did you deal with that? He's banned for 10 years. So, like, he lied about being a teacher. He's not a teacher. He's just one of those people who teaches football to schools, after school clubs, or something like that. But he's not a teacher. So straight away, we have got proof that he's a liar. So we can prove he's a liar and he's going to prevent the cause of justice. Why on earth would you believe him when he says he's sorry? How naive of that police. I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not like one of these green activists that thinks that, you know everyone's lovely. And I do believe in rehabilitation. I've talked before about my violent past and I know what's changed me. I'm not I'm not going down that route. I'm going down the route of he's proven to be a liar mm. in a short window of time. But they didn't mitigate that. They mitigated he said he was sorry. It didn't mitigate the fact that he lied and he tried to prevent the to justice. All our messages, all with his name on it. Get real. Get real. If you go on social media, if you go on Twitter and Facebook and the videos that Martin, you've shared through Ref Support, uh, keeping everyone updated, every single comment, every reaction to that, whether it's from fellow referees, from non-league football clubs, from coaches, managers, everyone, all the stakeholders in the game, not one person has said, ooh, Give him a chance. He might be a bit sorry. He just wants to do his thing. Every single one has gone, what the actual fuck is wrong with our FAs and our justice system? If between them, neither of those could levy a decent punishment for what he's actually done. All right, 10 years out of the game, fine. Um, but it should be signed I. A simple caution, okay, fine. But it should be, it should be more. I'm not saying lock the guy up. I'm not saying go straight for custodial. But a caution. A, ca- a caution's nothing. It's it's just really frustrating. And now, and we said this um, the last time a referee was assaulted, we said it this time that Satyam was assaulted. This should have been the moment. This should have been the moment where the FA uh, or the police or the CPS or whoever's involved with punishing people that do this to referees could have said no more. 
this is the moment that we say no. This is enough. And it didn't happen again. It has not happened. Um, And here we are again talking about it. And I I worry that three months down the line, six months down the line, we're going to be having the same conversation again with another referee that's been um, not just assaulted, but to the point, look at the guy, he threw three big punches, three big punches. And I'm all, you know, people say, oh, you know, the red mist comes over. I get all that. I talked about that last time. All the stuff I did, I never once thought of it in a police officer or a, or a referee, never. Mm-hmm. And way more violent stuff than that, unfortunately, in the, in the previous younger life. So, you know, if, if death sentence worked as a preventative measure, you've never had any murders in America. We still have murders. So I understand the emotion comes out and, and you don't think, oh, actually, I might not hit him because, because I, might, I might get the letter here. Or I might not shoot him because I get the letter. We know that just doesn't happen. That no. We don't process things that way. But what, what I'm saying is that when these events happen, you've got to do, you've got to do a stronger message than a, than a caution. I know, I know they've got more things to think of. I know we're in a pan, pandemic. Mm. But put, and the article on the BBC website, a really good journalist called Frank Keogh, I was saying that this is another case where the FA missed an opportunity, yeah. changed things for the better. And I will remind them, this is Fernando Lopez. This is now Satyan Soki. There's others we can, we can, you've missed an opportunity here. And if heaven forbid someone gets murdered, I'm, I'm promised it, I've documented it. I'm going back to these people and I'm going to say, here's your chances. Yeah. If you want to do something different and you haven't, you could have prevented yeah. the main thing of the mass official. And I'm just sorry, that ain't happening. The FA just ain't doing it. And I, I had a conversation with someone, and I won't say who it is, because I brought a sign from him. And he said, look, Mars, even murderers don't get life sentences. And I said, well, is that what you're waiting for? Is that what you're waiting for? You're going to get life, a life ban if you murder someone? Is that, oh, that's not what I'm saying. I said, no, no, you can't throw that at me, because I'm all for rehabilitation. I really, really am. But that, that option doesn't seem to be there. It's like, oh, I'll tell you what, if he does it twice, then we'll ban him for life. Yeah. Or, I, yeah, it's mad. I reckon that the, the FAs, the county FAs, would be quicker to ban someone, say, if a club owed a £500 fine. If you didn't, didn't pay it, you're banned for life. That's when they'd ban someone for life. Not, not, for, not for striking a referee. And you say about the red mist coming down and getting angry. That's, I think that's only reserved for cases where it's instigated by violence begets violence. The referee, I've said this before when we had Jorg uh, Oppers on the show, it's the softest target on the pitch because the referee would never instigate violence. The referee will never fight back um, for the most part because for the majority of the referees, that's not our nature. That's not the kind of people that we are. Um, And that's probably one of the reasons a lot of us go into refereeing is that's by our nature, we are arbiters, peacekeepers and all that sort of stuff. Um, But my God, yeah. Does it have to take a murder for this country, for the English FA, for the county's FAs to to actually say, okay, we'll, we'll take this one seriously. We'll fundamentally change how things are done. That's what that's what happened in Holland. That's what happened in Holland. The yeah, guy yeah. died, and they changed it. Hey, there's always an answer. Hey? There's always an answer not to do something, but never an answer to do something. Mm. Never, never, ever, ever. But always, like, remember there was another assault in, in the Spartan League. 
when a referee got poked in the eye, you know, the video looks as if he got that as the ref took his eye. But, but, but he poked him in the eye, his finger went in his eye. Mm. Now, that player got a 140-day ban. That's all. He was a hospital the ref. The hospital. 140-day ban. Two weeks later, someone on our page goes, I've just been banned for 160 days. We're not sending me yellow cards in. Oh, great. So what that says so is... This is, this is the point, yeah. Use your point, so Use your points. If there's more punishments for not earning the county FA money than they are from a referee getting assaulted, that's that's the message. It's there. You know, it's there. And, and Simon Jordan, when I was on Talk Sports, said, oh, do you really think, you know, why do you think the FA wouldn't want to, well, the county FA wouldn't want to address these issues properly? And it's because they don't want it. The, the real, how bad it is out there. It's my genuine, we'd be wrong. They don't want body cameras because that will evidence how bad it is. And people yeah. are saying, well, if it's been this bad for so long, why haven't you done anything about it? And then also, what business wants to stem an income stream, particularly yeah. in a pandemic? Because they, they don't get fined money, don't they? None of the referees get any of that money. None of them. There's no monetary fine to this, actually. There's no monetary fine, it's just a ban for life because and what I got sold was, well, we're not going to get the money out of it because you're banned them for life. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. How weak does that make your discipline process then? So even if he did get fines, they probably, ah, we'd give up because we didn't, we're not going to get the money off them because you mm. banned them for life. Well, no. Find another process that gets that money in, but that money goes to the referee. It goes to the victim here. Yeah. There's not one pound of any fine of the FA do that goes back to the referee. The one who gets the abuse, the one who gets the threats, yeah. the one who gets beat up. All that money stays in the county FA. Thank very much. I love that. Oh, will you help us get more punishments? Oh, no, no. FA process. Love our money, though. Love our money. It's I think that, um, you know, obviously I work with a lot of referees and things like that. And I think that, you know, we, we talk about the sort of the resilience and the mental toughness and particularly with the younger ones, the under 18s who were, you know, recently qualified and getting used to even at the at the, at the youth football level, getting used to dealing with parents and getting used to dealing with coaches and even difficult players who are not, you know, a million miles away from them in terms of age. I think that, you know, we can prepare them and prepare them and prepare them until, you know, the cows come home and we can do some really good work in respect to that. But I think that um, where the line has to be sort of drawn is that when it becomes too much like that situation, obviously, um, you know, we've all been, and, I, and now and now I'm talking about like adult football and, and things like that. But we've all been to a hostile venue, and we've all we've all looked around, and we've all been on our own. We've all thought oh, it could be a difficult game today, and we need to we need to be careful because this could be could be tricky. So we've got to think about the way we manage it, and and that and I think that that's fine. But I think that when things do go to the point at which you know. You hear about it all the time, not just obviously the situation with Tatiam, but other situations where we're hearing about things like um, referees' cars being damaged, chased the car, car damage, all that kind of thing. Um, and I've had it myself, you know, where people have made threats against you. You know, I'll put your windows through and all that. I've had that, yeah. And I think that um, I think that that's the point at which you say, right, I did everything I could. I was honest. I was decent. I didn't. Obviously, as no referee does, go out to trip the players up, to trip myself up, to cause any problems, really, just doing the job. And then you've got somebody 
either making threats, carrying out the threats, and and then obviously in the case of, of Satyam, you've then got you know a physical assault that's taken place. So I think that you know we can do our preparation, we can change the way we manage situations to try and avoid this. But when it happens and it goes beyond our level of control and our sphere of control, and we get something happening like an assault, I think that's where. It, you know, I think we'd all expect, you know, whatever there was, I think it was 32,000 registered referees last year. And I think if you asked every single one of them, they would all say that if it got to a point where something happened, either, you know, we, we, were, we had a threat made or somebody smashed our windows or somebody punched us, that we would then expect the authorities above, whether it be the FA or the police, to then come in and say, yeah, actually, you know, you did your best. And... You, you don't deserve that. You're doing a job for us. You know, ultimately, we described as volunteers to the game, really, um, and people who are committed to doing the game. You know, you, you know, sometimes we're doing five, six games a week. Players are not playing five or six games a week. And, and even more so since uh, this virus, I know that a certain county FA in the north of England is down 60% on the referees that it had uh, last season, registered last season. So I think that tells you how indispensable to them we are and, and how much they're relying on us. And so I think, we, you know, to, to sort of move the conversation to another direction almost, I can, I can go further and I can say there's, there's some question marks over certain county FAs um, in this country whether they are rightly or wrongly informing referees of when players or people who are associated to players, coaches in games have, have tested positive for the virus. And I'm not going to suggest for one minute that they're doing that um, just to keep referees active so that referees don't have to take a, an enforced break to isolate. But it's quite possible that could be the case. Um, so I think that um, you know we have to we have to be really really careful. We have to look after referees because nobody is communicating these things to referees when it comes to the virus, and nobody's obviously protecting the referees in this situation either. No, there's not because um, of the conversation over the last couple of days with numerous referees getting in touch with us via social media or directly mobile, and my mobile is there for anyone to do. Anthony can pull up here if he wants. Yeah, he definitely will. Probably WhatsApp me, whatever. Give me some stuff. My phone number is here now. Right. Now, um, the protocol says the referees travel independently at level four and above. But the line always don't travel with the refs of the games. Arrive at the game, get a mask. If I'm, if I'm going wrong in any of this, that's okay. But so far, I'm right, aren't I? So far. Finals, yeah. the don't travel together to the games. Well, got to wear masks when they get out the grounds and go and do the bit. And when they go to the changing rooms, they all shower together and they don't have to wear the masks. And you've just tripled the cost of it to the, uh, the club. Yeah. The travel expenses. So not the best way to start this, you know, post-pandemic football when you're tripling the cost to the, um, to the club. Someone will say, oh, the average are out all year. Or cash flow. Or cash flow. Every yeah. penny counts at that level. Every penny counts. And like they've got to get that money on a day. It's all cashless now. It's yeah. great. We've no problem with that. So um, 
Well, there's this little sort of elephant in the room where we're never, we're never top of the tree, you can say, let's be honest. We are like, you know, the necessary evil, we know what we're all like with that. But that's never going to change. But when you've got people put us in this position and just sort of, and then was it at the beginning of it or the end of it, it says, oh, by the way, there's a disclaimer. If things go wrong, even though you follow this advice, it's still not our fault. There's a big disclaimer at yeah. the end of it. Literally, you know, the bottom and line is, and you, you know, don't come knocking at our door. So, in between the lines, you'll just see we're not protected. Referees are not protected when it comes to this. You look at every game how close people get, and I, I think that's a great shout, Nathan. I never thought of it that way. I, you know, I wonder if there's any games that's happened since we come back, and any of those players have been involved in that. We'll test the positive. No one's told the rest. Martin, Martin, I know that has. Really? I know, I know of. I can think of three off the top of my head, where he's a referee the game. Where yeah, and and one of those participants to that game yeah. tested positive for COVID, mm-hmm. and no one saw the match visuals. Yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. But obviously, I'm not going to name names or areas or anything like that. But I do know that it's happened, and I do know that. On some occasions, in certain parts of this country, uh, the county FA has been notified of the positive test. The club's been shut down for 14 days, as the requirements are, but none of the match officials were notified of this. I put a a poll out on Twitter asking grassroots referees, based on your own experience over the past few weeks, are the clubs is everyone um, conforming to the guidelines that the F- FA put out to do all the stuff that you've just said, Martin, basically travel to the game separately, uh, wear a mask uh, up until the point where you start your warm up, um, minimize your contact with uh, club officials, players, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming majority said, no, not none of that stuff um, is being adhered to. A lot of people are just going about their normal business. And um, I'm I'm kind of mixed on it because I've turned up to grounds wearing a mask. You know, my wife has started a, a business and made these referees masks. So I'm getting that out and worn as much as possible. And uh, just to, to plug that a little bit. Um, but there are I've, I've turned up a... Uh, pre-season friendlies with other match officials who just uh, don't have a mask. That that was never a consideration. They, I said, you know, you've got to wear one. Yeah, I know I've got to wear one, but who's going to punish me if I don't? Uh, and that that's an attitude of, um, you know, it, it's, it's doing the right thing because you should or doing the right thing because if you don't, you will get punished. And it looks like the vast majority kind of leaning into um, what what's, what's going to happen if I don't follow these guidelines um which which is you know as the referees we should be the ones that are saying look we've got these list of rules this is what we should be doing um it, it's not happening bottom line is it's not really happening the bottom line is though and you know if you're if you're if you're a referee who's, who's doing that then more fool you because ultimately you're looking to to try and mitigate your own risk of obviously catching it which Nobody wants. So yeah. I think that I think that that's a big problem. But uh, what, I will, what I will say is, and this is through my own personal experience, and I make no apology for this being my experience. It's just what I've experienced being out there. 
uh, is in the women's game, this is taken far more seriously. And in the women's game, measures are much more stringent and things are put in place much more. Um, and I'm not aware of any clubs in the, in the women's game, in, in, in my area in particular, that have actually been shut down. But I'll tell you something, half the Northern League has been, I'd be surprised if the majority of the Northern League Division 1 and 2 in the North East have not had at least one game called off because either one of their players or a, a, an opposing player has tested positive. The majority of the teams have lost at least one fixture now out of, the, out of those two divisions. Um, and it just really hasn't happened in the in the women's game. You know, in the women's game, they've done the, the, the um, how do you call it? Is it uh, track and trace? They've done that really, yeah. really well. They've been religious on that. They've got the details. Everybody knows everything. All the procedures and everything's been followed properly. And, and I think it comes back to, you know, we, we've talked about it with um, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, men not getting checked and all that from, from long ago, long before this pandemic. And I think it comes back to that whole male bravado thing about, Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. And I think that it's something that needs to be challenged because actually it is something that, you know, is, is a big, big threat to to everybody, not just men, not just women, not just whatever. So I think that it needs to be taken seriously. And, and in my experience, it is the female game, which is, is the one we should be looking to. Well, certainly in my area anyway, because they are leading the way in terms of following the procedures properly taken proper precautions. I'm not saying that there's men's teams that are not taking precautions. I'm just saying that in my experience, I haven't, I haven't come across a women's team that hasn't taken it. Whereas, you know, you see a lot of precautions that are not being taken by men's teams. So it's very, very difficult. You, you, you've you've uh, got me thinking here, really. Let's look, let's look at the other arguments. Have there been any referees that's tested positive? And there's refereed the game and no one's told the teams. Would you bet against that? I bet. Oh, well, no, I'd say that the, the likelihood is that, yeah, a referee has refereed whilst asymptomatic. Well, Fucking yeah. hell. That's yeah, I, agree. <laughs> but, I agree with what you're saying, though, Ant. Yeah. Because the thing is, I, that's, that's one of the things that I was thinking just last week. I was thinking I've, I've been involved in games with, with so many of these teams that play against other teams where people are testing positive, And it's all around the Northern League in particular where I've obviously done a few games at the start of this season and, and there are also the other leagues below that where I've got been active and Sunday morning leagues as well, that, you know, I, I think that what we, what we seem to be learning from this this virus is that, that generally the fitter and the healthier don't tend to feel things as much. And I like to think that I'm quite fit and healthy. So have I had it within my system? And do I not know about it? And, and have I not known about it? And have I been going out and refereeing games? Is, is a concern in my mind, but I can't go and get a test. And nor should I get a test, particularly with the constraints on that at the moment, if I'm not feeling anything. Mm. So yeah, it is a concern for me that I'm carrying it and I don't know. But I'm sure that it is for you as well. Yeah, it's, you know, me, just in laws and nurse. wife is a special worker. The wife... As shields because he was diagnosed with cancer 12 years ago. So it's always in my head, if I'm honest. And then when you when you hear that, it's the you've only got to look at that. Even when you were talking, mate, I was thinking, you do like a, a, a pyramid. You're, you're, we, just, we just don't know how big it's going to get for us, do we? We don't know how much referee in a game and then goes to 22 players because the subs. 
and the next 22 players are they singing and all their families. When you really think about it, what a nightmare. Yeah. It's for everybody, you know, for people in authority, people in, people in the NHS, people in the, in the FA, you know, it's an absolute nightmare for us all. Right? That doesn't mean we just should really just be sensible to the basics right and just try to protect each other as well as yourself. And it's just, yeah. I think it's really sometimes that people would say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I might win because I, I should do. It's like when people do, you know, major, major off tangents here. It's like when people referee when different ones and assessors there. So when there isn't an assessor there, you know, if people say, oh my God, someone might see me, I'm going to put my mask on. Yeah. Don't put it on for the fact that, listen, the reason we need to put your mask on is that we don't want you, your action to kill someone or that someone else's action is kill you. Yeah. That's, that's what it's like. It's that sort of like, oh, I just want to look like I'm doing it rather than, I really believe in doing this. This is the right thing to do. Well, there's a, there's an analogy about shopping carts, isn't there? There, if uh, when you finish your shopping, are you the kind of person that just leaves your shopping cart because there's no repercussions, uh, there's mm. no punishment for leaving your shopping cart there, but you know that not taking it back to where they're all stored is the right thing to do, or do you make that extra effort and do the right thing by returning your shopping? back to where it should go there's no reward and there's no punishment there's literally uh no benefit or no no negative effect it's based entirely upon one's own morality of do i do the right thing to do just because it's the right thing to do yeah it's bad that we brought COVID into the shopping trolley and to assessors and observers and i think there's only us two that can do that i think it's something you'll probably touch on again but i wouldn't mind moving on to um so another success really is what is what um you know we're, we're glad to announce all three of us that you know we're going to be offering prizes on our blog but uh with umbro to a deal with, um, with umbro and a and a, a distributor called the logo works but what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to give away uh, every episode what way it goes uh, a full umbro umbro kit with the, with the fa badge on no hashtag of the whistle because some knobheads seem to think that having a hashtag on your kids is really dangerous, so we can't put hashtags. I don't think you can. I don't think you can call them knobheads. Oh no, you definitely can. Because in my head, there, I've just imagined that that this board meeting going. Yeah, lads, uh, about these kits can't have hashtags on them. And Mark, he's probably everyone's gone. Fucking, that's a really good, really good idea. Someone goes, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Let me just check with the knobhead department. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's engaged. It's obviously very busy. They're not bad department. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a queue. Oh, yeah, I'm in a queue. Just like the whole game system. I'm in a freaking... Yeah. Oh, I've got two. Is that, the, is that heads, heads of not bad department? Yeah. <laughs> Head of not bad. Who is that, though? Yeah. 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 Can we have a hashtag on our kit of the whistle? Sorry. Well, you can't have a hashtag. Why? No. You're not going to tell me why. All right, lads. Sorry, no, no hashtag. We've Thanks. checked with NAR with knobhead <laughs> assistant referee. Let's put it on. Write that out. Write that out. Write that out. Put it in the laws. Put this in the laws. No hashtags. No hashtag. No hash. We want to do something that's really, really effective. Let's yeah. put the word on your arm because that's been really effective, hasn't it? Wilfred, Wilfred, the hashtags of this new thing for this new social media generation it would really help. I don't bloody care. No hashtags. And that's how it went. I'm 74. 
I'm retiring next week and this is my last bloody decree. And my television is candle powered. Anyway, <laughs> another department's now said no hashtags. Yeah. I've got no idea what you're talking about or who you're talking about here, Martin. <laughs> not talking about anyone in particular. There's obviously could be no anyone. There. Could be anyone. So anyway, back to our kit. So we're going to be advocating with no hashtag on it. And then when you comment on our videos below, yeah, we'll put the logo works here. Who's kindly going to donate these uh, kits. Then we're going to see our, our bills. We might even do football boots, more more t-shirts. But it's all going to be about engaging in here. And uh, I thank you to Umbro for allowing us to do that. And I'm sorry for calling people my beds and we can see some more hashtags. No, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> there we I've go. got uh, another topic to talk about now, moving on from whatever that was. Um, <laughs> I saw recently uh, that um, the, uh, the Spanish Football Association had... Um, they basically demoted uh, a La Liga, so top level uh, assistant referee in Spain, because he um, had been on holiday with, I believe it was Roberto Soldado and uh, was it Danny Parejo, the foreign, uh, yeah. the former. Uh, I just come in here. What, what are you sounding all Spanish for? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as bad as Steve McLaren stuff, but come on, lads. It's called Roberto. Not Roberto. Roberto. Say his name again. Say his name again. Bobby. What's his name again? Roberto Soldado. Oh, yeah, I forgot what you said last time. You said, oh, Roberto. Roberto Soldado. Oh, God. And what was the other fellow's name? Danny Parejo. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Switzerland. Martin <laughs> Cassidy, Silons, please. Manuel Sherrett. Manuel Sherrett. Manuel. Have you not been a bit more creative? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, so anyway, yeah, he was uh, obviously being demoted, um, and it's because he'd been on holiday with the two Spanish players, aforementioned Spanish players, um, and um, he had not made any sort of social media posts about that uh, holiday that he took. There were two personal friends of his um, who he'd known for many, many years, and uh, I think his wife did post a picture with the wives of, of the players as well, you know, sort of uh, always been within a social circle, always been friends, you know, everybody has family friends and close friends and, um, and so on. And he's actually been demoted for that. And he didn't, he didn't personally make any sort of public images or anything like that around this holiday. It was just a holiday with, with some friends, private thing. And his wife put some pictures on where the couples were together, and he's been demoted for that. And I think that that's—I uh, think that's grossly unfair. But it's also deeply concerned for someone like me because I've got there are four friends who are professional footballers, and one of which played over twenty games in the championship last season. One of my good friends, um, and it—it it, it concerns me that. By me having a, 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 a friend, a friend, well, basically a friendly relationship with someone who I've known since we were at school together, and we played we played boys football together, you know, youth football together, about 10, 15 years ago. That now, if I if if I was to climb the ladder and, and become, you know, either a football league uh, official or a championship official, that I couldn't go on holiday with that person because. Of a friendship that I've had since we were children, 
it, it seems grossly unfair. It seems grossly um, disproportionate, the punishment. Uh, and I just really wonder what, what you guys thought of that. It, it fits perfectly into the narrative of that the authorities don't want refs to get on with players. They don't. Right back to what I said. If players and refs get on right across the whole world, they're not going to get money for yellow cards, are they? Everyone's going to respect each other. Don't they? They're not going to get it. So I bet, I bet you the amount of yellow cards would plummeted if everyone got on. So you never see anything from the FA where even now at concert, they never level fours or the both. You never have meetings where players, managers, refs, assessors are all in the same room. Doesn't happen. We do it. It's a charity. We do it. Works brilliantly. We all get on. And when you look at the business model of the county of and FA, they will it will thrive from a money point of view on players not getting on with referees. Absolutely thrive. Because you'd like to get pissed off quicker, give me yellow cards, and they get more money. Simple as that. But interestingly, there was a a Premier League, a couple of Premier League referees um, who sent messages to a certain club that won the Champions League. And that message got back to the PGMOL and it was an inquiry. And all that was sent was congratulations on winning the Champions League. All right, that's fact. That's fact. That ref got in major, major grief over that. So that could question the integrity. Well, if questioning the integrity of a mass official is contacting someone to say, well done, winning one of the biggest competitions in the world, we've got a major, major problem with football players in relationships with referees. Trust me. And I think it's outrageous that that hasn't been made bigger news because as far as I'm concerned, there's some relationships involved in football that are disgraceful and shouldn't be happening. But a player can't go on holiday with, with a referee. I think if you just look at some of the relationships that's been in football, some of the disgraceful things that happens in football, particularly at FIFA level, and then they throw stones at a referee going around here. Football players get life around. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to jump in and kind of make it three for three in criticising um, what's happened there. It's not the the ref's fault. Um, uh, who who his friends are? Um, so long as it's one of those things where you can. Uh, oh, is everyone frozen? And I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> Let's wait for that to come back. I hope someone screenshots this. There we go. We're back. Oh, oh, we're back. We're back. I was just talking to myself for a bit, and then I stopped. Will you be able to edit that out, or is that going to stay in? No, I can cut that out. Why? What? What? Uh, what happened there? What, what was you chatting about you when just it was? Shut your mouth open. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, that's not how it looked for me. It just, Martin, you were looked all sad, and Nathan, you were just staring off into the middle distance. I'll, I'll send, I'll, I'll show you the screenshot from my end. A bit different. It was, um, yeah, you just froze. You might have to do that again. But you said about three buzzers, didn't you? Yeah, th- three for three. Uh, you guys are both uh, singing from the same hymn sheet. I agree that it's not fair to kind of penalise a referee for who he or she associates with or has family, uh, in you know, outside of the game. Um, but I, I listen, I think the English FA do the same. Um, I reckon I'd be on the championship now if I didn't have family playing in there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm discriminated against as well. So it's, it's just, it's, it's nothing to do with my lack of fitness or the fact that I've been only refereeing on and off for the past five years. Um, it's definitely that family time. 
So have we started recording again yet, mate, or not? Still, I didn't stop. Um, I've I've just had to use a mobile hotspot because my actual house internet just dropped off. So all that stuff, I mean, actually, was, I mean, Nathan was talking about was recorded. No, none of it was. Oh, good. Because oh. we, 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 we did something that we shouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you gentlemen want to start an OnlyFans uh, as an extra source of income, that's on you. That's <laughs> great. You tune into that to see me and me, me buffs. We've got, um, now that some of the football's back, obviously without coaching more now, uh, I haven't been out yet, to be honest, been really, really busy with my new job. Um, so I've known the country really enjoying it. Dying back to the Satyam case, we said, there's my other role with Leisure Leagues as head of the refereeing and, and the UK Development Director uh, of Leisure Leagues, Leisure Leagues, referee from here, is um, we, 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 we know that referee's name, who, uh, the player's name, who attacks that young. And uh, we've banned him for life. He's never going to be able to play football, live side football, in his name. Because you register but leisure leagues, it's uh, very easy to monitor. You know, it's, you know, it's, he's gone, he's done, as far as we're concerned. And if we can do it, and we add the devils of under 30 years of football, you know, what, you still be the FA counter. And we see these QR codes now. It'd be so easy to bring in an ID card now. And the year said about it yeah. in here. Just have a QR code. Yeah. QR codes. There you go. There you go. There you go. Up his age. You can't play. Well, this is the thing everyone was saying, you know, oh, it can't be done. It's a logistical nightmare. It's this, it's that. So many excuses for why it was impossible. But like with so many things during this pandemic, having so many of the workforce work from home, I can't do it. It's impossible. Everyone's got to come into the office. Suddenly you can have 90% of your workforce working from home. In the exact same way, you can now have every single player registered for track and trace. Um, now you know exactly who's at your games so that when you do need to punish someone, um, you, you've got their details. You know exactly who is there. I'm using, uh, I've been using an app. I think it's called Eve Pass. Uh, I'll just have a look. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's called, it's called Eve Pass. And uh, they're using that. A couple of Northern League clubs are using that when you turn up to the ground. Um, and you, you, you scan your QR code and you say that you've arrived. And then as you leave, you check out. Mm. And uh, so they know how long everybody was there. They don't, they know who was there. And, and it's actually a free, basically, alternative to the NHS track and trace because I, I, one manager did tell me, I think it was £300 for them to be fully involved in that. And, and it, it, it was, a, it was a, obviously a considerable investment. But they came up with an alternative by using this, this pass. They have, list of names and details and everybody who's obviously signed up to the app has got they might use their details to sign up to the app so they know who all the users are they know who's checked in how long they've been there and all of that so you know there are many many ways to skin a cat and do the track and trace system and it doesn't cost money so i think that um again if you want to talk about identification even not not even looking at it from a track and trace perspective or an attendance perspective to make sure they don't break the attendance limits Um, um, one of our partners uh, finds my kit. Put it up here, Anthony, please. Find yep. my kit. Yep. He, um, 
he sponsored a few of our events. Did something with the Bobby Madey one, so it allowed us to be able to afford to fly Bobby Madey over from Holland and do all that. So that was really, really good. And he, um, he, he's a real good guy. Now he, he, that's a QR code that you put on your kit. You get a piercing one, QR code on your kit, your trainees, key rings, everything, and that's identifiable to you. Now I've asked him to look at doing that as a track and trace method, which we could go to the FA for dead easy. I think it's like two pounds a person forever. Yeah. You know, we, not, not, not that as, but we'll, um, we'll look into that again for you, but it's like the simple QR codes. Everyone has their own QR codes. You have the referee, you've got the app, just scan it, bang, done, job done. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's such a scope for the send everything digital, team sheets, match payments, yeah. discipline reports, um, this is the perfect scenario to have that funded, developed, and launched um, from grassroots right right the way up. Um, you know, that's the environment as well, Hans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not it is. Yeah, not using loads of paper. Well, everyone's going mm. on about the cost of of bringing something like this in, but that cost over time would be mitigated against the the costs of the current system. Um, yeah. once, once the app is made and developed, it doesn't take that much to just maintain. No, no, and and it'd be a safer game, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent would. Safer game, I think. But the the, the F word now that we're able to use with the FA is funding. Yeah, that's that's the footsaw. You know, just the leaked documents. Obviously, we have to get a confirm that they're going to basically kill footsaw, and the national teams are being disbanded, and the coaches all at the moment not confirmed by the FA. But a leaked documents in the Daily Telegraph yesterday. Flash that up if you want so as well. Yeah. Saying that they're going to, because of the funding and the cuts, they've got to give back. And they're going to announce these redundancies. I don't know if anyone's been made redundant. Uh, um, the FA referees departments, it would be our general concern, but I'm sure there's a few people in there that shouldn't be in place. So maybe they will go, but that's personal opinion. I think we've got a couple of really good uh, referees as well at Futsal FIFA, I'm talking about here, uh, Martin. And I know that there's one in Nottinghamshire that's a particularly top. Yeah, really. Yeah, we got one in the northwest. We got Pete, Pete and us, um, chairman of the St Helens RA. Yeah. So and James, yeah, James Gerrard, he's a good footsaw. One, I don't think he's FIFA. But yeah. he James Gerrard, good lad who went down to Holland's Open. Yeah, yeah I remember that lad. Yeah. If we if we're killing the refs, uh, opportunities to do games. That that you know that. I mean, obviously, I, 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 yeah, this is what you've just said there about this leaked document. It's, it's total news to me. I didn't know anything about that. But just hearing it and knowing about, obviously, the, the, the FIFA futsal referees we've got, if we are sort of putting the kibosh on all these uh, opportunities for them to referee, particularly good standard futsal games, then how are these referees going to be nominated for major competitions? How are they going to be nominated to be in? In, in really good games and, and to represent this country and to represent the FA as well. I think that that, that would obviously be the, the sadness and the real concern uh, if that news was, was yeah. accurate. I think also, futsal in the beginning, to me, why FIFA chose futsal over five or six sides, to me, I, I don't know why they came to that conclusion. You need to, all right, the partition figures were quite good at the time. Well, like you need a different pitch, you need a different ball, you need more referees. He could, you know, that in itself makes it difficult to develop the game. Mm. When five aside was already established, they don't get me wrong from my position, but leisure leagues, where the world leaders in five aside, 
we, we, we also work with the International Soccer Federation, which is the governing body of the five, six, seven, and eight sides. FIFA just aren't interested in it. Now, our figures going through the roof, absolutely through the roof. Yeah. We, we give opportunities to referees, to referee on the international stage, all our games are outside. So I think when you look at what they created with futsal, they were always going to, was going to be limited. Um, like I said, the pitch, the difference, uh, the balls are different. You need more referees. It's traditionally was South American sort of. Yeah. Million. Yeah. It was that blend of football that was coming through. So it was always going to have its challenges. And then FIFA chose beach soccer as well. But by itself, that's limited. And you need a beach. If you're playing on a beach, you need weather. You need good weather. You don't get that over here. So it was never going to take off over here, was it, in many other countries? So I think we, that's why we blast it. We think people may miss the trick by not getting behind five, six, seven side. And we'd be glad to say that under the Leslie's banner, we've got hold of it. And we're giving referees opportunities to referee with Mark Lattenberg last year with Bobby Maidley. Yeah. We'll be bringing the referees in. But these opportunities are there outside the affiliated game. And I think people need to realise that. People need to realise that. And when they represent futsal, the futsal games that the, the that get shown on TV, national, and nowhere near as high as the coverage we get in our five side games. Nowhere near with 300 million people on view, um, viewers on Facebook. Yeah. That's, that's more than the football could absolutely dream of. Yeah. So I think that, again, though, uh, Martin, does it, it, do you not agree that it comes down to the coaching side and, and the technical side that a lot of people who are uh, decision makers here are thinking about? Um, you know, obviously, I, I know that the, the, was it the Dutch? Is it Curver? The, the Dutch situation with, the, with the, the there was a big concern about ten years ago, maybe a little bit more about the fact that English players were only able to kick the ball in England internationals. I think they looked at the England national team at something like 2010 World Cup, and only one of them was what you would deem as two-footed. Whereas I think there was only two or three in the Dutch national team that weren't both, you know, both footed. And I think that they looked at what could they do to improve that side of things with 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 having ambidextrous players who could play the ball just as well with both feet. And it's something that they wanted. So they they looked at futsal as as really the answer to that because they also saw that there was a lot of quality with with the Brazilian players as well. And I don't know if you tried to strike a futsal ball, but it's like kicking a medicine ball. Yeah, it's, it's heavy, uh, isn't it? Very, very heavy. And a bit flat. You you, yeah, you can't, it's not one that you could hit from 30 yards at the top corner. It just wouldn't rise. Mm. And you'd probably break your foot. So I think that, I think it's always been around that whole, that technical pass, 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 because you can't strike it. I don't, I, in fact, in fact I, I don't quote me on this because I don't know the rules, but I'm fairly certain there are certain areas where you, you basically you're not you're not allowed to strike the ball anyway. I think you can only score from maybe inside the box. Yeah, like that. It is, yeah. But I think going back to your point with the ball, the ball is intentionally flat, so it doesn't bounce as much. So it's yeah. hard to the first touch. So I think it's, it helps the first touch really. So um, I think that's sad a bit, but it's it's just look at it in real. Let's be honest here. I know I'm biased because I'm you know. In a, a family in, in the Leisure League five aside, but has football really taken off? Has it no, I, don't think it has. I don't think it I don't think it has, but I think it's like I said, I think it's a great shame for the referees. Like I, I think it was Peter Nurse, wasn't it, that and said and Mark Burkett and people like that. I think it's a great shame for them who worked incredibly hard. Yeah, mate, you don't get a profile. It, it, you know, if you look at you know 
have you seen futsal on Sunday getting major coverage anyway? I've never <laughs> ever seen an actual game of futsal. I think it's slightly too far removed from normal football for it to yeah. be considered like on par. It's almost its own specialist game. You need specialist footballs. You need special uh, the yeah. way that it's officiated with with two referees running one half each rather than yeah. uh, just one. I yeah, 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 yeah. So it is. It's it's its own subset of the game, which for whatever reason, I mean, we could speculate all day long, but it just hasn't captured the public's attention in the way that, um, like I mentioned just off camera before we started, like the the Masters five aside that you see on Sky Sports in the summer, or the international um, soccer, yeah. like you mentioned, Martin, um, the um, the the Leisure League's World Cup and stuff like that, um, where you get huge audiences because it's a game that you can just pick up and play and run with. Whereas mm-hmm. futsal, I, I, I can tell you. That's that's yeah, no, we can take a different view. And, and with, with futsal, it was also almost this romantic view. Mm. It be dead to play futsal. That, that's not the demographic of five sides. No. Remember, football is about getting off your ass out and yeah. engaging in well, an arts target. It's all about that. We, you know, we have this thing called couch to World Cup, where we're going to find a player who's never played eleven sides, and he's going to represent England. FA can't offer that. Can't offer that. You want to work at universities and, and give loads of people opportunities yeah. to represent their country. Now, people might say, "Oh, that's not really representing the country because that's not the FA." We well, used to this because we're our governor, we, we govern our, our game. But you are representing our country. Yeah. You do get a cap. You get everything paid for. You do get sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Everything's there. It's very, very, very. Easy to achieve if you've got the commitment levels and, and the fitness levels. And really importantly to us is that you can't be a professional, you can't hold a professional contract to participate in our World Cups. I mean, there's some ex-professionals there, and I don't think the rules are within a few months of being, you know, for the our World Cups starting. So it's very different to aims, very different. That's why we govern our games. That's why Leslie can go, we're bringing in a rule now, but you can't go within two meters of a referee. There's absolutely no reason for you to be within two meters of a referee. Yeah. That's our rules now. End of story. Brilliant. Really, really good. I don't know anyone that said that wasn't a good rule. That was Leisure League's put that in. Yeah. I mean, even the 11th side is the any reason to go two meters near a referee. Unless you accidentally run into it or there's just no reason or your, your position's being put down, whatever. But to intentionally go to there anyway within you know, a referee within two meters. That, that should be my fun. Yeah. Because we, the, 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 the owners of Leisure Leagues, Devil Leone, he, he invented the rules of small sides of football. The FA robbed them off him. He was years ahead of, of the small sides of the game. And this is another rule that they just wouldn't take it because he's, he, he's, he's created this rule. There's lots of this in football. It's called the NIH syndrome, not invented here syndrome. It's yeah. absolutely life at the FA because they didn't think of it. We ain't got to introduce it. We might leave it a couple of years and reinvent it and say it's our idea, you know, like they, like they did with the vulnerable wall. So yeah. I think when you look at Leslie's and just set out the politics of it and what they've created as a product, a world product, it's brilliant. And to see Futsal failing like this, now it's going to get worse because of um, because of the funding, which is a terrible, terrible shame. And like we said, we know some great referees involved in Futsal yeah. and some great footballers involved in football. Great opportunity, but they never got behind five, six, seven signs. With, and now with, the biggest problem is Leisure Leagues who aren't affiliated. 
Well, this is the thing I was going to say. If, if you have to prop up um, your small-sided game with anywhere between 33 and £75 million per season, because that's the numbers that this uh, article said was going to be withdrawn over the next, um, was it three to five years, they're going to claw back that money that would have gone to futsal. Um, that is a crazy amount of money to, to throw at something that has very, very little popularity. I mean, I know it's come from a kind of international, uh, futsal is, like you say, big in South America or here or there or wherever. But in terms of this country, it's not. And for it to receive that level of funding, when there are 11 aside teams now that are going to struggle just to survive through this pandemic, um, it may be you kind of got to let futsal just die off a bit and find its own natural standing within the world of football. Um, mm. And that, that might sound harsh. And I, I, listen, we, we've mentioned names of people that we know and are involved with futsal, yeah. but I think that's something we've just got to allow to happen and, if if in the future, if in five and ten years it does build back up, fantastic. But the, at the moment, in this country especially, there are alternatives that don't need millions of pounds of funding because they are self-sustaining. They've got a, a business model where the players will, are happy to pay to play, um, and and that you know allow it allow it to die off if that's the way it's got to go. Um, I, there aren't. I don't want to sound like a prick for saying this, but I don't think there are many people in this country that would genuinely miss futsal. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely, hundred percent agree with that. And when you look at just what, what we've what we've got, nearly two hundred thousand players playing every week, fifty weeks a year at Leicester leagues, and that's completely away from the from the national governing body. Why? Why is that the only one that is is, is not affiliated to the FA? But the only one that's thriving and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's a question in itself. Yeah. That's yeah. a question in itself. I mean, even with the FA trying to stop Leslie Leagues getting bigger and County FAs telling referees, you know, don't don't engage with unfiliated football. There's actually a rule in our national government body's rule that says you can't referee affiliated football. It's still massive. Yeah. That tells a story to me. That's why, why it was really attractive. For me to get involved with them, they're street ahead of the FA, absolute street ahead. I think that, you know, the thing is, in in particularly in South America, futsal is a means to an end. Yeah. What it does is it produces the next generation of football players, international people like Neymar and Gabriel Jesus, people like that. But actually, in this country, there's only that one lad who plays centre half for Wolves. And that's it. He's the only one who's played futsal for England. And then gone on to be a professional footballer. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, in the comments, obviously people can say if I'm wrong. But I'm talking about professional footballers who's reached you know the top level, like like the like these Brazilian players have. Well, but also, you just said about it before. Have you have you ever seen a game of football on the TV? No, I, I have actually seen beach soccer on the TV. You know, but not that. So I think that that that. Shows how far removed it probably is. And I, on the beach soccer, the, there's a that was aimed very differently, wasn't it? Because the women's game of beach soccer got very popular very quickly, mainly to the uniform they were wearing. And I think didn't Seth Blatter at some point said, "Oh, I think the women's shorts should be short, more revealing or something." You know, yeah. that's where that. That's just that's really that's where that's at. 
So, like, you know, you see, you see beats, and then going back to the Legends tournaments, which is the Masters was quite popular. But the actual what what um, companies are going to engage with that when a lot of the fellas are overweight, they don't look very aesthetically easy on the eye. You know, it might be you know, it just it wasn't a product that would work in in that sort of field. And where where we've gone with it, whereas look at these, these are all amateur players. None of these got a contract. Look how good they are. And you you tie that in with with the Jamie Vardy scenario. Yeah. When we make an announcement in a couple of months, what we're doing next? Jamie Vardy got into the game late, won the Premier League, oldest um, Golden Boots winner, isn't he? And got into England, all, all these stuff because he got in there late. And what we're creating, less of these in the ISF, we're creating opportunities to play for your country in front of millions of people far earlier in your career. If we had that window that that, that we create, he would have got picked up earlier. Absolutely yeah. can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely can't see it. Like, it's that sort of, there's no real coverage at grassroots level. I know some brilliant clubs, Concept, Through Town, you know, all the Wimborne towns, some great teams who were, who were developing into really good, you know, places to, to view football. They're not going to get on Sally in a million years unless it's all someone in the first round proper of the FA Cup. Let's give them more opportunities. Let's, let's do, what do you think would be great if all of a sudden BBC said, oh, what we're going to do, we're going to show a highlights of, of that level of football what, what, once, once a week, 15-minute slot. Imagine the exposure that would give to those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine what it would do. You've seen what the FA Cup does. You know, the thing that the FA's got rights is the FA Cup. I think that a breeding fund has been put as well. But when you look at what's out there to give people a chance to really look at soccer days. Yeah. So, massive. Massive. Why yeah. aren't we doing something similar for the grassroots game? Why aren't we doing something similar for the grassroots All that money goes to the grassroots game. Yeah. We, we, you know, soccer is brilliant. Class loves it. He's always involved. There's opportunities with the real desire to help. There's opportunities out there, guys. There really, really is. And I think we've got to hold the hand up the FA in certain parts and say, well, 11 side, 11 the 11 has been diminishing for years and five yeah. sides have gone through the roof. But they've just got to it. It's too late now. Mm. If they go into five sides, that's going to absolutely kill futsal. Stone dead, isn't it? Yeah. So they, I mean, talking about... Um, broadcast sports as well um i think there's there's space in uh, especially with the pandemic and and football being the way it is uh, at the moment a, a, a place in the broadcast schedule for elite five aside quick, quick games uh leagues that are done in six to eight weeks promotions relegations um you know uh, familiar faces big names all that sort of stuff it just, it doesn't even need to be on your traditional like BBC, ITV, Sky Sports. It, there's now outlets like Amazon Prime that will pick up stuff like that and just and just run with it or yeah. YouTube, um, their, their premium service as well. Um, yeah. There's scope for it and I can see it with, with the way that the world is going. I can see it happening maybe in the next two to five years that... Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We've got our media channels, we've got everything. Yeah. The set up, just the politics of that. To be honest, a lot of people will engage with us because we're not affiliated to the FA. That many people in, in our world of football are so pissed off with the FA, let them down. That, that hasn't really been an alternative. We're a true alternative. Mm. And I think 
we don't get any funding from the government or anyone. Yeah. Age it more, we've put it on, you know, maybe fits a little video and it's all what it sends you. Just a little short clip of that. You know, we build a stadium ourselves. Yeah. It's like the centre of Lisbon, a beach in Crete, and we put on a tournament. Why can we do that? How come we can do that? There's nothing like that being a futsal or nothing else like that. Yeah. So it's grown, grown, grown. We've got lots of big people behind us. And I think it's a shame about futsal. And, I, and, I, and I'd love to see it thrive. I really was. Some yeah. good people there. But equally, you know, five or six or seven sides. It's massive in this game. And it, it needs to be on mainstream TV. There's some really, really good sounds out there. Yeah. Great referees. Great facilities too. Did you see what happened last night, by the way, with West Ham? No, what happened? They turned up to the ground, right? And the club doctor... So the, to turn up the ground, they did the, they did the exchange with the referee an hour yeah. before the game, right? They started the warm-up and the club doctor came out and said, them two players are positive and the gaffer's positive. You need to get them out of the stadium now. <laughs> this is about 45 minutes. Okay. Seriously, I'm not joking. This is this happened. At, this was at West Ham London Stadium last night. They were playing Hull City um, and they only found out 45 minutes before the game kicked off. The, the two players and the manager were positive. And the two players and the manager were just knocking about with everyone in that stadium yeah. at that point. Yeah, and they'd, and they'd already named the team with the two players in it, starting 11, and the manager, obviously, David Moyes, was there as well, and he's got it. Wow. Are we recording? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't oh, yeah. I'll back in again. Yeah, we'll, I'll edit it to look all smooth and shit. So, and you just want to say... <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry to keep you guys on edge for so long, um, but I was just going to mention um, the whole Keith Stroud uh, news article that happened. So Keith Stroud um, is starting a game of football. As you have the the match ball is on a little podium. As he comes out, picks up the match ball, gives it a kiss, and then marches out to start the game. And this caused uproar in in the Daily Telegraph and the the mail and stuff like that saying referees or this particular referee in the era of COVID shouldn't be kissing the match ball um, because it's an undue uh, unnecessary risk that the referees got COVID and now all these players are going to be kicking this ball and they're all going to get COVID as well. Yeah. In reality, you're not going to get COVID really from a match ball. You're more likely to get it from being this close to an opponent or to a match official, if you're getting in their face, they're getting in your face for whatever reason. Yeah. It was just a story, and it almost is, is building on the back of COVID hysteria. I know that we've mentioned COVID not being taken seriously at all, but we've got to also temper that with, let's not get hysterical about COVID and, and put up all these shields and, and stuff around of us. We, we need to still kind of have a semblance of normality yeah there needs to be a balance between where we we're seeing teams not taking it seriously at all and we're seeing the press reaction of going completely over the top and yeah. saying this is an example of uh, a referee you know basically saying he's spreading covid by kissing the match ball. it's not it's not it's crazy yeah. Well, it's actually funny you should say that, Anne, because I know that Martin's friend, uh, Lee Probert, when he was refereeing, um, he always used to kiss, I think it was a, a ring finger of his hand. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I know that 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 obviously that was a probably well, you could ask him about it, but that was probably a ritual thing to to people who were very close to him and very special to him. I know you used to have it. I look to the sky as well, obviously. Dad. Um, Dad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are things that referees do, and obviously we we all know that, that as, as referees we want we want things to to fall fairly for us so that we don't end up in difficult situations and things like that. So I do think that there's a little bit of that. But yes, I do think that you know could he have done something that was maybe a little bit more for himself almost like 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 you said like kissing the, the ring or the the, the, run the sky or whatever was there another way he could have done that just to to deflect attention because as we know as referees we're leading the teams out the tunnel so what so obviously that game was live on sky friday night um and it was going to be right in his face the camera and, he, and it's something that you know as referees we always think about you think when we think about set pieces we put ourselves in positions to prevent us being blocked off a key incident. Every every position we take on the pitch is is within the idea that we will be able to see anything that may happen. And so to not and to and and, and that's foresight. So to not have the foresight to think, well, there's going to be a camera in my face. I'm leading the teams out because we're live on Sky. It's Friday night, the first game of the season. I think, unfortunately for Keith, um. You know, it might, it might have just been a little bit better for him not to do that because you know, because you know what people are like. Mate, mate, here's my take on this. What a stupid thing to do! And I know Stasi. I've said to you before when when I was tired, he was one of the first and he really nice misses. We first ever football league line was with Stasi, a top, top, top man. A lot of time with Stasi, but come on, lads. That, what, what, you know? And sometimes I get a little bit annoyed with. These little things that referees do, they're just like players, aren't we? You know, some of us our socks on players, and then and then our right sock and our left sock always. And I had I had certain little things like that, but I stopped doing it because no matter what I did there, I'd have a crap game. The next game, I'd, I'd I'd start doing it again, thinking, well, that never worked last time, did it? So why am I doing it? So I got out of it. And um, Saudi, let's be honest, Saudi's have dropped some big mistakes in the past, yeah. and kissing the ball ended now, didn't it? You know what I mean? And then to kiss it in a, in a COVID environment was just stupid. It was just stupid. Even if he pretended to kiss it, it's not the actual fact of doing it. Like so said, I don't like it's better than It's the image. It's the, it's the perception. You know, just why? Why not think he's a clever, clever master, has he? Like that, doing that. Maybe put the picture up that was there. Look, that was just stupid, lad. That was amazing. And, and I don't know if it, it, maybe it's last season he thought, oh, well, sorry. I always do it. So I don't know. I don't he know. probably, in, in you know, with the amount of testing that's going on, he probably thought, along with everyone else involved in the game that day, well, I've been tested for COVID. I'm not positive. No one else is positive. So I'm, I do it all the time anyway. What's the, what's the difference yeah. today? Good thing that way. But look what we just said about. David Moyes and West Ham. Oh, yeah, West Ham. Um, yeah. Moyes and the two players there. 45, 45 minutes before kickoff. Oh, positive, positive, positive. Just imagine, just imagine the other side. This is why it's stupid to do it. Just imagine if he is positive and there's a picture of him kicking that ball and someone else in that game gets, gets it. He couldn't prove it never come from him. It's true. What is it? Look at the liability there. I just didn't, I just, 
unnecessary gamble to six stars. You don't like that, mate. Clever, clever lads. And I just, I just, I just don't know why he's is it. I just don't want it. We don't need to give people bullets to fire us. Why give someone a bullet to fire us? You don't want to be the sensible of the sense. You always want to be, you know, he's just experienced massively. Trust me, that was a stupid thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about referees and taking criticism. I'm thinking about you two from the Merseyside area. Um, your distinguished colleague, Mike Dean, also caught a bit of criticism with a camera really close to an incident um, just this weekend, just, just past. Uh, Everton against West Brom at Goodison Park. Um, I read a, an interesting article actually yesterday, not saying I agree, not saying I disagree, but it was in the mail from uh, Martin Samuels. Um, and it, he's, he's clearly a big uh, kind of uh, ally for referees with, with, with the tone of the article, certainly. Uh, I've not read any of his previous stuff on referees, but the tone of the article is very much in support of, of, of officials. Um, and I think he made some interesting points with regard to, you know, yes, Mike Dean did say, he said, go away, you know, you, you, sh you shouldn't be here now, you, you know, you shouldn't be talking to me now because we know that what the procedure is and we know what the rules are around sort of confronting officials um, in the in the game. We know that there's a 30-minute cooling off period after the match, which is designed specifically for managers to have some time to reflect and to calm down and to speak rationally if there's anything that they want to ask any questions about. And that's all in place for a reason. But a good, a really good point made by, by Martin in the, in the, in the article was the fact that, you know, there was a camera there, right there in that incident, which was picking up absolutely everything that's happening. And, and does that then put pressure on Mike Dean to not be able to kind of manage it because the camera's right there. He needs to be seen to be doing the right thing, which I thought was a really interesting point. But what didn't surprise me was what Martin said uh, with regard to the noises made by the two pundits, where one of which I know was Joe Cole. I don't recall the other one. It might have been Jermaine Um where they basically said, uh, oh, it's ridiculous, you know, referees going around doing this, doing that, doing the other. And I Bon Lahore, he, he went on Sky and then he said, Oh, it's a disgrace. I used to say things to Mike Dean all the time. And it's ridiculous how players can boast about abusing referees during their career and think that that's okay. And I think that there's a lot that's come from that, all really well, um, you know, put forward by Martin and I would recommend reading the article from that perspective. Uh, but I just think that it's, it's a really sorry incident that that's happened because I think it creates negative press for, for, Arguably our most experienced, well, definitely, if you look at the fixtures, uh, the, the number of fixtures he's officiated, our most experienced referee. If you take the temperature of the reaction of social media, especially Twitter, um, the vast majority of the people who responded to that incident were critical of Mike Dean for doing so. Those were not referees, they were just general football fans. And they're the football fans that they almost... Uh, instinctively would say, well, it's typical Mike Dean. He wants to be the star of the show. He's only doing this because he's an arrogant prick and all this and that and the other. That's their words, not mine. Yeah. The, the referees and Martin Samuel 100% backed up this as saying, 
fair play, Mike Dean. That is exactly what you should have done in that situation. And I agree. That's my point. He did exactly what he should have done. And I don't think he would have done it differently had there been a crowd full of people. I think if Bilic had come up to him uh, in any circumstance and done those actions, Mike Dean would have shown him the red card because it was it was the right thing to do. Bilic was um, going He was there. aggressive, wasn't he, Ant? He was aggressive in his mannerisms. Yeah. Toward, you could say that. And the, there's, um, there's a Twitter account. I, uh, off the top of my head, I think it's Radical Referee, but it might be one of the other ones. And they put a poll up there and it was based off the back of this. And the question was, if two people are to have a conversation, which is what Billich was saying, I want to have a conversation with you, that requires the consent of both parties to have a conversation. One person yeah. can't have a conversation with another one that doesn't want a conversation. Yeah. Um, and so in that instance, Mike Dean could have engaged and said, okay, let's have a conversation, in which case that a conversation has formed. But for him to go over ranting and raving and insisting on having a yeah. conversation in that moment, that's not a conversation. That's an aggressive, um, yeah. angry person shouting at someone that isn't going to answer back. Yeah. The only recourse that Mike Dean had in that moment was to send Bilic off. That's yeah. all he could have done. Because the alternative was to what have a conversation where what would Mike Dean have said that would have would have you know we're having a conversation now. There, right if, in there yeah, wasn't there yeah, yeah, yeah. as well which was picking up everything they were saying exactly you know have that kind of uh, dialogue in yeah. that moment where really you you if you are going to have that conversation in any way shape or form you want to have it in the dressing room yeah this, this was a conversation there's there's balance yeah. from both sides it's yeah. not one of us just going. Listen here, dickhead, you're going to listen to me what I say. Yeah, yeah. What you said five minutes ago, I don't agree with. And this is why, which is basically the vitriol that Billich had in engaging yeah. Mike Dean at that moment. Um, yeah. From a referee's point of view and from every rational football fan's point of view, Mike Dean did the right thing. He was 100% correct to, yeah. to respond the way he did. Mm. Two of things there, you know, is. is in the Whittle, not from Merseyside. Well, yeah, no, but I think he is, he is, he is from Merseyside, isn't he? We have a lot of things, but like uh, when, when, when people from Bergenes and the Whittle go abroad, they're all scousers. Oh, yeah, I'm from Liverpool. When they're all new from the Whittle, very convenient. Plucky scousers, them. Plucky scousers, not real, not like us. However, however, on a serious subject in my team, um, we've discussed. The evolution of my team, of what he was, what he is. And it all goes right back to this like, when you're a FIFA referee, you don't act like my team does now. When you stop being a FIFA referee, you tend to act like my team now, because then people definitely change how they, how they operate. You telling me, you telling me those two didn't know what was going on there, that there was camera, camera right there, and everyone would be picked up because there's no crowd. Yeah. Totally biased. That was probably a poorly. Five billets to try and get some the one percent answers that they talk out of him, and it backfired on him. Backfired on Well, I don't know what he thought was going to be the end result. I don't know. You know, does Mike does, does Mike team say, oh, well, "I'll have a look at half time when I come back, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the penalty or whatever." I just don't see what people are trying to achieve. It's just macho nonsense. Mm. And the important issue is, is that that's what that's how those attacks on Satyans. Hockey happen. That's exactly what happens. That's the evolution the other way. People look at that and think, 
can do that. But I'm going to do that to someone who's on a, on a pitch in the centre of London, with no police officers. Might just happen, might just happen to have a, have a camera. Might, maybe. Totally different beast. That, that sort of thing there yeah, that he did, it's, it, that's, uh, I believe, truly believe, that is the beginning of the evolution of someone getting assaulted at grassroots level. Because their game evolves, it gets worse. I did a blog on it, maybe put a link up for the evolution of crime. You know, people would steal uh, the back of a, of, a, of a car, a little bit of sign on the back, Vauxhall or Volkswagen, the Beastie Boys had the Volkswagen sign around here. Those who don't remember the Beastie Boys, they come on the back of the car. And I know people who just have them on the bedroom door, all different type of just collect them, and no one said anything. And then when you take the back, the, the sign off the back of the caboose, open the boots and you rub the seals. And then you open the car door, and you take the radio, and then before you know it, you're taking the car, you have a car crash, you kill it in five seconds. Now, people might say that's dramatic, but that's my blog describes that. Going at someone in the face on a pitch like that, like Billets did, is taking a sign off the back of the car. The the carrying it on afterwards on social media is taking the, the tools out of the boots of the car and selling them. The starting on you in, in, in the car park and threatening you is taking the radio and punching you and kicking your head in as the car crash. If you go right back and you address it robustly in the beginning and stop these villages and the Mourinho's and the Warnocks who were constantly seeing on TV that this behaviour is acceptable. When you address it in the beginning there, you won't get to that car crash. That's why it's really important that we need to flash this up. And what doesn't happen, which is shameful, the LMA, the League Managers Association, never, ever comment on it. Mm. Have you ever heard the LMA say, actually, we believe that sort of behaviour is unacceptable? You hear the PFA come out and say things about various, never hear the LMA come out. The LMA never come out and say, actually, no, that is not the image we want of our members. They just don't. So there's another little angle I think we should approach. Future, go to the LMA and say, would you tell me what your official stance is? on this sort of behaviour, live yeah. on TV. And what message does that send to our young future players and managers? Yeah, because they're not going to... like. No one, as far as I'm aware, like you say, from the LMA or the PFA or whoever, have, have come out in this instance and say, yep, Bilic is right, we're sorry to the referee on this occasion. Um, uh, Bilic shouldn't have done that. Uh, Mike Dean was right to send him off. And by staying silent, it's it's not. It's, I'm saying they're condoning them, but when there's a saying, isn't it, along the lines of when good people see bad but do nothing, it's as if they've done the bad thing themselves. You need to speak out as a good person and say you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that to the referee, uh, and let's condemn the people that do, because if you don't, like Martin has said, uh, these ripples that come out from these actions that we see ultimately will lead to a, a Satyam Taki or whoever the next referee gets assaulted on the on the pitches on a grassroots mm. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely 100% right. I'm going to evidence you know, crime goes right back. Is it you know, soft drugs lead to hard drugs, you know? You know, you remember people might sit this is this thing, oh my God. But everything evolves so many. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's the snowball effect. And that's why we're not addressing it. And at that, that level, robustly. When do we start addressing it robustly? Mm. Someone's eyes, is that what we do? Is that, is that what we do? We, 
You can't get banned for life now. You get a, a sandy day ban. It's like fans are rocking all the shit. It just ain't out there. Yeah. It just yeah. So there's no real... Then there's big hand going playing a false name, which is why we said, if you see that lad who assaulted Satyam playing, video him, we give you 100 quid. Give Video him, get it to us, we give him 100 quid. Prove it to him, give him 100 quid. Because that's that's the opportunity to open. And the reason it's open is because there's no ID cards. As we said earlier, there's no way of having who's playing, do it in other countries. I can't do massive things. Yeah. And changing it. And just going on doing the same old thing. Saying I'm expecting to get better. It's, it's just not the right thing. It's insanity. It's the definition of insanity. Doing the same it's, thing but expecting a different yeah. result is insanity. Uh, I used to say that all the time about Alan Pardew when he managed Newcastle. He used to pick the same team every week and keep getting beat. Why yeah. do we keep getting beat? Uh, well, going on that would have been, you know, any of those big, big losses getting beat 5 0 definitely have been the referee's fault. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. This week, I'll be 5 0, I'll be 4 0. Look at this penalty, a photograph of the penalty. We're in a pointing position like that. That was a penalty. I want the referee to phone me and apologise. Oh, really? Your goalie going to phone you and apologise for that four goals in your bed? Yeah. I, I, found, I found myself getting into arguments on Twitter with people. I, 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 I see retweets from other accounts that's, that will blame the ref for their 8-2 loss. And I will stick up for the ref and say, come on, man, surely you can't be serious blaming the ref for your eight goals. And their response is, you weren't there. You didn't see the ref. You didn't see his performance. You put out. And I'm like... Well, I remember doing it to a Forest fan. We said about, I think it might have been Stardy. And I went, I just snapped shot at the league table and said, You've dropped 44 points. And in those games, how many goals did the referees score? Yeah. But why Why is he cost you the league? Why is he, why is this one incident of an offside or a penalty, not giving a free kick or not just allowing another goal? Yeah. Cost you the league, mate. Yeah. Why are you paying them hundreds of thousands of pounds a month? Really? Yeah, it's just this entitled nonsense that these fans have. I've paid me money for a yeah. people. And at what point, and because players do it as well, oh, the ref in our game was shy today, yada, yada, yada. At what point do referees go on and say, yeah, I was refereeing the game today and the centre forward missed an absolute sitter from two yards away. Goal was out. What an absolute dickhead. You'll never yeah. see it happen. You'll never see it happen. And the sooner it does, the better. Mm. Well, of course, all the referees are all sorts of things older, but all conditions don't go to the press. Oh, don't say anything. Don't do Be careful on your shoot weed, Rob. Why? Why? Just give me a reason why. Well, I remember this song, put my head in. Well, people come on our page and go, You can't talk about your case. My, pre- my prejudice your case. But can you show me any evidence where that's happened? It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It's just we're all conditioned to go. We can't talk about our red card today. Yeah. Because why? Why? Oh, because uh, it could prejudice the hearing. Okay. Uh, so when that red card happens in the Liverpool 11 game, when it's shown to 5 million, million trillion people, does that prejudice the case? So why does a Facebook page, uh, 5,000 people on there, going to prejudice your case? Stop being in our best. Yeah. The, 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 the people that are sharing those, those incidents as well. Well, they, they just obviously want the support and the help and the guidance of referees who are probably more experienced than them and maybe a high level than them, whatever. They're, they're not putting it on social media to um, 
you know, for, for any other reason other than for a little bit of maybe self-support or self-soothing after a traumatic incident. No. Well, you, you do get people that are like, oh, you can't talk about it. Don't talk about it. And they've all got a in football. All those people that do that. Badge collectors, I call them. Yeah. And I know these same, those same people who do that will come to me privately so I'm at, you know, I, I do agree with you. That's all social media. Yes. goes on. Yeah. And then I'm going to go up people on the page. And I know 100% that's not what they think. Yeah. But they think the people who give them co-finals, who might give them a promotion. Yeah. They want them to think yeah. that's how they it's not the most disingenuous nonsense, I think. It's mad. When I see it. You're just better off saying nothing at all, Martin. You're just yeah. better off saying nothing at all. Because then you're not sort of brown nose in the FA. Yeah. But if Willie, you're not going the other way, which is also probably not the right way to go about it. Yeah, but let people have an opinion. If people are going to say, we're taking an RP, it's just been nothing like RP. It's just why it's so popular. We talk about everything. We talk about absolutely everything. Yeah. And we back it up with evidence. And when people say, oh, you shouldn't do that, it's better. Every time I've gone back and say, could you give me, show me an occasion where talking about your rest red cards or your abandonment is prejudiced at least. Not yeah. one that's been called. Not even the ones who said you shouldn't do it. Could you show me what way do you think that way? They only thought that way because they're being told by the FA. It's not the right thing to do. And when you look at it again, this is another reason why we get bullies. Because we feel we just can't, we just got to take it. Yeah. No, 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 don't, don't, don't talk about it. Why? Because we're being told not to. Why are we being told not to? We're not wrong. We're not wrong. It, all the, we've always been conditioned. Get in the corner, take the stick, let the FA deal with it. Well, actually, yeah, if I am dealing with it, yeah. I'm not dealing with it. So what happens then? And that's the problem. It's this big chasm that's refilled the way we're going to talk about it. When the FA don't deal with it properly, when there's people getting cautions, going to the mass official three times, we're going to talk about it. I don't care if people who for London FA think that we're stopping people getting into refereeing. No, we want people to get into refereeing. Knowing that that, that is a realistic thing that could happen to you, yeah, a week, approving to be assaulted. FA's figures, not mine. And they don't mention it, of course. They don't do any, any way of saying, actually, this is what this is how's coping it. Here's the right process. Is maybe some like de-escalation methods that we use? No, not discussed. Yeah, and when you think about it in real terms, that's a bloody yeah. With 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 social media, with Ref Support UK, uh, especially, it's on demand. Everyone's got a phone in their pocket. You can get at, straight after your game has happened. You can pull out your phone, go on the Facebook page, and type out your whatever situation that you found yourself in and get immediate support. If you were to submit your report and wait for the FA to get back to you, if they get back to you, um, you're talking about a few days. Now, in those few days, in your head, you've repeated this incident, this trauma, this whatever has happened to you a few times, and you've made it worse because that is the nature of humanity. That is what we are as animals. We'll think about it. We'll overthink it. We'll, we'll blame ourselves. We'll think, can we do things differently? In that whole time, You've got these two pathways. One is immediate support. The other is support that comes a little bit later on, further down the line, but from the official kind of the yeah. FA source. I know yeah. which one of those two I'd want. I'd want immediate reassurance that yeah. it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, here's some ideas for you to think about. But if you do start having these thoughts, you can always follow it up with more comments. 
And there are hundreds, if not thousands of referees on collectively our social media pages that will 99.9% of the time support the referees. Mm. You do get a few people that are a bit snipey, but they get shot down very quickly. Um, and, and this is... This this is only a good thing for referees. It's like you say, no, none of us want to to stop the recruitment, retention, and progression of referees. If anything, we all want more referees, and for those referees to be as good as they possibly can. So yeah. for these people and their mentality of um, keep quiet, you want this. This is your agenda. It's really not. And I don't mm. know why or how people get off on saying what your agenda is or what my agenda is or what Nathan's agenda is. Yeah. They, what, they don't engage with us, but they do snipe and 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 do this stuff in the background. Oh, don't don't join that page. Don't talk to this person. It'll have mm-hmm. negative effect on your refereeing career. You want to be a good referee? Don't listen to this. Don't talk to this person. It's madness. It's absolute madness. Nine times out of ten, we we get a lot of trashing. It happens right in the beginning with us. Oh my god, we support. Don't don't go near them. Why? The FA don't like them. But they don't want the FA to like them. They're not bothered. Yeah, but, yeah, but, no, but, yeah, but, no, but, yeah, but. That's all you got. You couldn't justify it. Why well, start saying to people, like, whoever says it to you, they turn the face, right? Do us a favor. Scouts have said, can you put that down on an email to me? I'm forward to it. Never happened. Yeah. Not once did that happen. Not once did that ever happen. Don't engage with them because we don't like it. And nine times out of ten, it's also people in County of A's who aren't doing what we do for free. Yeah. They can't do a budget for them. They can't do mentoring schemes and coaching schemes. Right? Because they haven't got the... Why have we got oh, the manpower to do that? They haven't. Why have we got more coaches in the Southwest than core? None of them get paid. None of them have to zip them. Okay? But why, why can we do that? And when we eventually be able to navigate that all over the country, the coaching school, we know there's armies of people out there who will work for us. Free. You don't want to work for the county of You might have been get on by them. You know, how many people have put a blog up to be saying about um, how long have you been refereeing and never had an FA Cup game? Then someone comes along with two years, you've got an FA Cup game early on, qualifying rounds on the line. Loads, because they fell out. Who nominates people to the FA to do FA Cup qualifying games? The county of So we have all these little little bits of control that they have. I won't nominate you for an FA Cup game. We do go with that. If you, that's what goes on. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. We challenge the thing about it. No one will put it down in writing of what we do because they know what we, what we do is the right thing to do. RDOs are losing the jobs. RDOs are getting going down from full time jobs to two days a week. I haven't really gone out there with this yet. I'm getting loads of information, but also up your area as well. But RDOs are being put down to two days a week. Two days a week. So, therefore, when we have a game and they need to get hold of someone, who do they get hold of? Yeah. Who do they get hold of? I think the worry is, Martin, is, and, and I've said this before, there's a, there's a county in the north of England that has a dedicated hotline where they can reach people 24 hours a day. But that's one county and there's 52 in the country. Yeah. So I think that, um, well, you know, I always think... Get these. We've had our hotline for three years. Yeah. Not one county FA advertises it. That tells me a story. That they yeah. want to phone me. They want to phone their own county so they can shut things down. That, yeah. I'm not saying, oh, the county of doing that up there is like that. Why, yeah. why would you start something as an overhead 
that's already there free of charge. Yeah. National, 24-7. We never yeah, yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So when I'm talking to referees, I'm saying, your county FA hasn't got a hotline, you need to ring refs. Oh, thank you, mate. I think that it's, it's really, really important that if you want to have that support and you don't know many colleagues, who you, personally, I mean, like, you know, you haven't got numbers of your colleagues, uh, to, or to ring them or to say, or send a message to them and say, this is what happened in my game. And you want that support, but you don't want to put it out because you either feel suppressed by other reasons or you, 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 you don't want to, you, you feel like maybe it was your fault or whatever. Then having that number to ring is, is, is really, really important. And I, and I, I I've always said that. Because I think it's, I think that you know it is about finding the balance. And if they don't want the audio to know you're getting support, then it's another good reason to ring the number. But I, I, um, I, I, the thing is, that it all depends on the level of support that you get. In a county, what we found, just, yeah, okay. So, sorry, man. I was just saying that in a county where they've got a hotline, you know that there's a really good support base for referees. Where they don't, they don't. Yeah. Well, what we what we found is, mates. Sorry, sorry to put me. No, no. Um, when they phone us, they phone us because they don't want the county FA to know. Yeah. Because we feel a bit like, if I tell him I felt a bit threatened today, yeah. if I tell him or her that I, I didn't feel comfortable today, didn't feel confidence, they might not give me a profile. I'm going for level six this year. They might not promote me. That's a realistic thing to think. That's what people do. They might think I'm a nubhead, but I can't cope with that. Or won't give me a local derby. So when you can't go there and talk about a weakness, bear in mind men are like this, it's one of the mental health issues. Yes. Yeah. So talk about you want to show that they can show that weakness to me. You don't have to tell me my name, horse. You don't have to tell me nothing. First thing I say, look, you don't have to tell me your name. So I don't I won't record your number unless you want to. If you do give us the number, we follow up the next week. Is that right, mate? If you can't do they help you, are you there? Always absolutely blown away that we've remembered them. Yeah, what's really important is we also I really appreciate someone saying it's not your fault, mate. Yeah, yeah. the only one. I get this is two, three, four a day at certain times, particularly pre-season, because people are getting given games that they really shouldn't be given. Get given really, people don't give it either. So, like, there's lots of things that go on where they will not go to the county FA or the FA. By the nature of the beast, they don't get a true picture of what goes on there. They come to us. And we do log it or we do log it. We just, we can say, they call it, we are, don't know who, yeah, but like, that's the main reason, Nate, about it. That's why the FA and all the county FAs should push our hotline because we're independent. We're and now we're going to go down this route, uh, this route with the app, the uh, whistleblowing app, which is completely anonymous. I'll put a link up, but that's Anthony too. Completely, you know, we're going to pay for it. You can report whatever you want into, into this facility. They will investigate it for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely invest. Go to whoever it is, yeah. and they don't even know who sent it in. It's completely anonymous. Yeah. It's massive in corporate, corporate. We're teaming up with them because we know there's people out there who will tell what goes on, particularly with refereeing, the bullying that goes on, the really, really dodgy stuff that goes on. But you don't want any comeback on them. If they do it anonymous to us, all we'll do, not us, the other third party. They then go to that person and say, look, this person's named you. You've been named. This is what happens. 
this is the date, here's the evidence, and you tell me that's wrong or right. You'd have to know who it is. And if they, and even if, when the police spoke to them, he went to them on one case and we need to know where this is going from. He said, we, we can't. It's completely encrypted. We don't know where it, where it comes from. So they're not going to say, oh, I never got promoted once. Eh, and the RDO said I was shite. No, we're not going to see with that. True, true bullying. True, true discrimination. We're going to offer that free. And if we get a good enough sponsor, which it looks like we've got, we're going to give that free to every referee. They've got that little, completely anonymous method of reporting discrimination, bullying, anything else world to us to the third party dealers. And that's that's a game changer. One of the one of the things we've found is if you take it out of control of the county of A's, and you take it away from them, this is another reason why the hotline works, you're more likely to get told the truth. And then we go and get the answers, we go public and we go social media, it gets in the papers, they then listen then. And it's that it's that method, mate, which is why I believe not one county FA in the country, kind of I think Devon did it, put beside our hotline. Because the true intention, in my opinion, would be wrong. They don't want to know. They don't want us to know how bad it is. We're going to say, why have you been doing enough about it? That's where it sits. Yeah. A lot of RDOs would tell you all they're doing is admin. And a lot of RDOs have left these positions because they're not actually supporting the freeze and going to see the freeze. And it's admin, 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 admin. A lot of them will tell you that. And I think when they, they actually have a referees development officer who absolutely develops referees and not filling registration forms and filling bookings and, and do stuff like that, then we start seeing the results. Because if an RDO, how it looks now, and anyone out there is listening to this in audio, follow me. The way you want to get such a me, prove me wrong. The good thing, gents, about watching the three of us talk about this is how passionate we all are. If yeah. And it's like I said, the, the, the one thing we want is more referees, better referees, and referees to be able to do their job and feel safe and not feel threatened or intimidated, whether that's on the pitch or off the pitch as well. Yeah. And whether the, there are people, and I suspect there are, I, I don't know. I've, in Liverpool FA, uh, I've had relatively little dealings with anyone there. But I suspect in other counties, there are people in positions of power that aren't always entirely altruistic in that position of power. And, and they use it for their own means or they use it to help out their friends or, or whoever. Yeah. But, but having an independent hotline or an independent whistleblowing uh, way in which things can be put out into the open yeah. uh, that that can only be a good thing to to make everything about the counties more transparent because and I've, I've said this before they are operated 
like old boys clubs, the the Blue Blazer Brigade, whatever you want to call them. Um, we need to step out of that mentality and become a bit more uh, modern with the thinking, with the openness, uh, with the transparency, and how the county FAs need to work for everyone, not just the select few, not just the friends or the, the favoured ones. Um, it needs to be there for everyone. Everyone is an equal stakeholder in the game. Uh, so let's, let's have a service that operates and works for everyone. I think that's only I think fair. I think it filters down from board level and you can see where the forward thinking uh, like, like chief executives are and you can see where the forward thinking people are because it reflects in the referees department and what they offer the referees and everything that they give. Um, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, I think, where some uh, like re reaffiliation was offered for free. Yeah. Where the counties have done that, generally you can see that they care about the referees. Um, and they're forward thinking they want to look after the referees. And, they, and generally, that's not the only thing that they're doing for the referees. There's plenty of other things that go on around that as well that also are getting done for referees. But the ones that maybe are charging are not doing as much for the referees. They're just doing it out of continued momentum, compliance, everything else. Yeah. And, and that's the difference. Yeah, definitely mm. is. I agree, and, and there is some really good people in County Bays. I'm, I'm not going to tie them all with the same brush. But again, some of those good people get stopped from doing, from doing stuff. Yeah. I know for a fact that the FA are not going to do any form of training uh, or new courses till March. What's all that about? There's, there's a hive. The feedback we're getting is that it's absolutely rubbish. There's not enough going on. And yet, they'll try and stop us doing stuff that we want to do. Right in the beginning to stop us doing it? Nah, nah. Let them alone. What they didn't realize is that the more, it's like being a kid, isn't it? When your ma says, look in that cupboard. Look in cupboard. And you keep saying, don't you, don't, don't you go in that cupboard? You're going to go in that cupboard, aren't you? You're going to go in that cupboard at some point. They've been, oh, don't go near ref support. Don't, don't go in. But all they're saying is ref support in the, social, in, in, on the national media, ref support on the news. On the BBC website, they're all going to go, Ooh, what's in that cupboard? And what, what they don't realize they're doing, that the force will be the source because they're going to go, hmm, that's why they don't want you because you'll put your hands up and go, I'll put my head on the stopping block. Yeah. I'll do it, I'll front it. I'll get, I'll get battered on social media for saying this is going on, not you. I'll do it for you. That's, that's the difference in the FA. More of the same, don't look in that cupboard, the more people come to us and the more we'll pardon us. Yeah, it's crazy. You look at all the other, um, I'm the best to describe this. <sighs> okay, let's call it what it is, outsourcing. So um, there's not enough capacity within the FA's own uh, training and development budget. But there is plenty of companies, Nathan, nodding, Martin, I'm sure you're on board with this one, that would come in and deliver training deliver improvement courses, deliver the things that the FA either can't or won't. Let's not, you know, say which it is or why. But for a, a, a relative saving, instead of having to train up their own staff, instead of having to uh, develop their own course and whatever, there are ready-made people out there to come in and do these trainings. And for whatever reason, I feel like 
outsourcing of the training is something that's not done. The FA will put on this whole, it's a quality control thing. We want to do it ourselves so that we know what the message is that's going out there. It is is a control thing and it needs to be looked at. It needs to be addressed. And because there are so many good people out there in football, not just in refereeing, in football, that Mm -hmm. can come in and improve the game for everyone. But whilst we've got this monopolistic sort of, uh, it's my my ball, my rules, my game, uh, th- then nothing will change. And we've seen it for years. We've seen uh, areas, we've highlighted areas ourselves where the game could improve very easily and very quickly, but it's not being done. Yeah. Why? I can't tell you. You can't tell me. But we suspect it's because it's just the way that it's always been. And to change it would ruffle too many feathers. When I said now, nah, I wasn't disagreeing with what you were saying. I was saying them saying, ah, the quality. Have you seen some of the quality things? But absolutely is. Comparison? Yeah. I see you Spaniard in shock that the way they were bullying people. Don't forget, we get my mate, Sam Lux, saying no beers, no beer bellies, no tattoos. He's at the top. He's thinking that's acceptable. That's what, and they judge us. They judge us. There's ways in it because when I was running the regional academy, I was fine. No problem. There's all credibility. A month later, when I run a reputable, oh, don't go near him. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, actually, did a month ago when I was running your regional academy for you. Yeah. That's the sort of nonsense. That yeah. That's their own. That's, I can't get my eyes on it. I just can't get my eyes on it. And, it's like, you don't do enough. You can't hear based on doing enough. Can't have based there. You don't even deal with the RA. You don't do anything. Mm. Because you don't want someone else showing how bold they are. Like, what they do? It's just ridiculous. But now it's got so far, so clear. to saying, oh, yeah, yeah, they can, they can do what they want. But then they're coming back and saying things like, oh, well, we can't have you um, doing that because you're involved in assessing. And also because you're involved in support and... There might be like a bias, but they don't say that when there's an FA court coach at a game where an FA appointed assessor, observer. That's that's okay. That's fine. Don't have two reps of more people there. We can't yeah. accept that. I'm not saying that no coaches can go in the, in the dressing rooms uh, when assessors there. But what they do at the football league, they do. You know, it's like what, yeah. what are you trying to? What are you trying to stop? Yeah, I always felt that. There'll always been on a power trip, particularly with those two people who've been in charge for decades. Have you ever heard any, anyone being in charge of a, of a department for so long and be utter rubbish at what they deliver and keep their jobs? Well, yeah. Boris Johnson. I, mean, I would say is, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what I would say is that, you know, obviously you've talked about um, the outsourcing and obviously... Uh, with the third team, we've, we've basically said to, to County FAs, you know, do you want to outsource? So that's been one of the big things that, you know, we, we offer, we've made that offering of giving mental toughness, resilience and mental health support where this is a difficult subject. And I've spoken about this before, I think, about how I've had our deals say to me, yeah, you know, I'm getting referees ringing me saying that, the, you know, they've the, the contemplated suicide and they've thought about, you know, how important refereeing is to them and, and if they've had an injury or another reason why they can't referee, how much of a dramatic impact that that's having on their life. I think that these are all considerations that go well 
you know, from over the heads of the majority of people who maintain good mental wellness and are lucky enough to have every everything um, in in a good place. But make no mistake, this can this you know the a deterioration in mental well being can can happen in an almost overnight sort of period of time and, and can be linked to to one event or another event, um, which is obviously triggers that. So I think that that's why. You know, obviously, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is, is obviously be more of a preventative measure more than anything else for the majority of the, the people who are in the workshops, for it to be a message to them as a preventative thing, so that if things do deteriorate, they're then in a position to um, manage that situation and look after their own well-being, or then also go and do that. But a lot of RDOs, again, as I say, they're not they're not they're not bottling it because they're good they're good people they're compassionate people but they find it very very hard to know where to turn and a lot of them are working with charities and a lot of them are working with various different groups of people um but like i say you know we, uh, like we've all we've always said really it seems like referees are, are towards the end of the list of things to to kind of um, or list of people to support within the FA when behind coaches and players and various other departments. And that's why, you know, I like to think that the offering I can give, which is specific to referees, and a lot of it is based upon my own experiences of being a referee. So I know exactly what it's like to be out there and to deal with a lot of these challenges and then the impact that that can have on your mental health when you go home to your wife and your kids or whatever, you, you, you know, your mum and dad or whoever it is. So I think that, that's what I'm trying to offer. And, and like we said, you know, some people don't want it. And it's, you know, that's fine. And some people are working with various different other people. And again, that's fine. It's about making sure that it gets done, though, and that these mm-hmm. things are managed in these situations and not allowed to fester. Because ultimately, it's not that long ago. In fact, it's within the last two or three years, if I'm not mistaken, we've seen a football league referee on the wrong side of a bridge. And luckily, they came down from that. And, and, and obviously they didn't choose to, um, to complete suicide on that occasion. But obviously their well-being thereafter needs to be a matter of consideration for, for everyone around that person and for that person themselves. And it's about making sure we get into the positions to deal with that. But by an RDO maybe being compassionate but not really supporting in a, in a way that it needs to be, and actually helping that situation to improve, they're just sort of parking it which which doesn't really help that person. And it also makes them feel like football, which hold which they hold so dear, refereeing, which they hold so dear, which has such an important place in their life, is another area which is gonna kind of cause them heartache and and, and gonna also contribute to that that deterioration in the mental wellness, which I think is very, very sad and it's something that, you know, I know that obviously having had longer talks with Martin about the the support line that they're operating is a key consideration for them, um, but it's it, you know it needs to be a key consideration for everyone because ultimately, I'm not overplaying the role when I say that as an RDO you're responsible for that person as a referee, and if a referee, and if, if if that person sees their identity as a referee as a big big part of their identity, yeah, then you know you've got an important role in their life as an RDO, and and I think that's I'm not saying they don't take responsibility responsibly but it's something that you know obviously should be considered well listen let's be honest if the RDO's roles were subsidized by the FA would the county FA's have them well that's a question that 
you probably will be a better place to answer than me. My problem, my, I would say it wouldn't. I said it wouldn't. We've got funding and funding and funding for them. I was going to go even further. I can't see every county having an, an audio in the next few months. Some of them being really done already. It's we're just, and let's really, really be honest. But what an RDO does, but what an RDO should do, are very, very different. A lot of RDOs would tell you all they're doing is admin, and a lot of RDOs have left these positions because they're not actually supporting the freeze and going to see the freeze. And it's admin, 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 admin. A lot will tell you that. And I think when they, they actually have a referees development officer who absolutely, absolutely develops referees and not fill in registration forms and fill in bookings and, and do stuff like that, then we start seeing results. Because an RDO, how it looks now, and anyone out there who's listening to this an RDO, phone me, the way you want to get in touch with me, prove me wrong. I think we'll all agree that you're not RDOs. How you want to be RDOs. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's that's, that's, yeah, yeah, no. I'm just thinking that's, that's heavy. That's heavy. I mean, that's, that's, um, it's, it's hard to disagree. It really is. Um, but again, without, how do you, how do you kind of push that, that fundamental change to have your, you say, I'd say your worst RDO or your most admin focused RDO? Because that, I'm sure they all want to do the best that they can. Yeah, I'm sure they do, though. And I, I really am. I, I really don't think that they take a lot of pleasure from doing form filling and, and even having to discipline referees and things like that. They'd much rather be able to reach out to a referee and say, this is why what you did wasn't quite right. And this is why how you can improve it next time to make sure that you don't end up in this situation. They'd much rather do that. Than like the situation that Martin talked about earlier, slapping down a 160-day ban. That that they'd much rather do that. But sometimes it's about a business reason and people tying their hands behind the back wasn't to do these things. In my understanding, certainly anyway. No, I agree, mate. I agree that. And, and but then again, again, I'll, I'll always put the others be shot at. A lot of RDOs take the jobs. But if that was the only job, the RDO they wouldn't do it. But normally. Climb the ladder as a referee. Maybe somebody might want to keep on sides. So we get promoted a bit quicker. I don't know other people said that. You know, you get some people who are in really big roles as a referee. Some of the football league referees. Perfect job for them. Not on much money. Not on much money. But the job of they, how I see they see it, is they're not RDOs. They're not developing referees. Spend too much time in the office. I know. I know people who said, "Listen, do I need to come in the office?" I can work remotely and I can do this. I've applied for that job, real credible people. Well, I can, can I work remotely? No, you've got to come in two days a week. So it limits the catchment of the people who want to do that. And I just think, basically, an RDO job should not be registered referees. That should be nothing to do with an RDO. It doesn't develop. It doesn't develop a, a referee. Registered them. Not to do that. It should be someone else's job. Yep. Get all that registration out of the way. Some do, some don't. They, they plan your job together. Yeah, you know, or we're also a welfare officer, and we're also this, and we're also that. Just trying to get budgets to be able to justify the money they are paid. Now, what do you develop the referees? What is that? Most of these RDOs want to do that. Some RDOs get put in a position you aren't good enough for the job. Maybe, maybe they get on well with the, the chief exec or someone, and you get and get people complaining about them in the front and centre. 
Oh, but you do get really good together. Some of them have been in job for years and haven't, and haven't really done anything. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, like it's, it's, I'll, I'll sit face to face. I love to go to the audio to mention that. I'll stand up there and just say, tell me what you do. I'll stand there and tell me what you will do. I'll do it in a real nice way because the ones will say, this is what I do. And the ones that develop referees, I bet they're doing that outside the role they get paid for. Yeah. Because that's the sort of people they are. They're all really good people. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are really good referees people. But they can't do that, Martin. It's funny you should say that, Martin. I've seen uh, an audio that I know, um, you know, personally on Facebook, and I've seen that. I think, I'm not, I don't think I'm mistaken that uh, two nights last week and last night again, he was out supporting these core referees. The audio, not just the coach, the, the audio is out supporting referees on ground, you know, obviously in the, in the local area. You're doing, that's what they should be doing. And they should be going to those grounds with 10 other referees saying, look, come on, you're going to sit with me and I'm going to show you what, what could be good, what, what is excellent, what is polite, what could be done better. That's, that goes down to the commitment to the other referees, the 10 mm-hmm. other grounds, will be made up, they might all buy a burger or something, you know, the, but the, because they haven't got the time to do that, because the lumbers were an awful lot of admin they shouldn't have. Yeah. That's why we lose a lot of good, good people. And you normally find the ones that stay in a long time. They're normally either not refereeing anymore and we give something back, or they are refereeing and it subsidizes their income. Mm-hmm. And sometimes having a football league referee or a football league liner or a two-way or whatever as an audio is good for the image of the county of Ain. So like... We know where it sits, but do they develop referees? And that's the question. And if I stood up in front of them all and said, what have you done to develop referees? There'll be no consistent approach. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You'd, you'd, want, you'd want a standardized answer. Every single audio would say the same thing. The truth that's is, that's not going to I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm saying that's their fault. County of by nature like this. They want to hold everything together. They want to make themselves look good, not the neighboring county. Too much of that goes on. And I know for a fact that, that that goes on. But whose fault is that? You know, whose fault is that? Are the fundings delivered? I don't know. But there's lots of good people in RDO's positions, really good people. And they themselves will say, I don't do that, referees. Because I'm lumbered with an awful lot of admin that I shouldn't really need to do and I didn't come in a job to do it. Yeah. That's actual. That's not Mike Cassie's opinion. And I feel sorry for them. There's some really good people in there. and. So to a few of them, and it's, and it's, and it's one, they should keep out of referees. And they should say, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be at this team, watching this referee. No one come with me. That's what should happen. And I'm sure there's some out there that do it. I'm sure there's some, there is some out there that do it, but it's, uh, The other thing as well, Martin, is that that's where you, you identify who the best group of the next generation of referees are going to be. Because if they want to give up evenings, go out and watch more experienced colleagues that they can learn from, not just working with them on the line, because I know a lot of them will put them on the line, and that's great, that's brilliant, that's fantastic, but actually go and sit in the stand and watch the referees with the audio or with a core coach, whoever it might be, who then points and says, he's done really well there, what do you think he could have done better there, and, and work through it. And the ones, the referees who committed to, again, giving up an evening, like I said, are the ones that 
you would hold out the most hope for because they're the ones who are the most committed and the ones who want to progress the most. I think that's a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. I, and you see because most people are going, well, I really enjoyed that. Where do you live? What's good you go to? Or where do you work? And, you, and a, a community can build very, very easily. Mm. Well, hey, isn't the way to do it. It shouldn't be a club. It should be just a community of everybody. You shouldn't need to pay, pay a fee to have a bloody, you shouldn't need to pay a fee to get support. It's all, it's all free. Yeah. With the day of technology, it's all free. And having an RDO out there, which there are many who would give up their time to go and watch the game. And and have people sit there with them and help them and guide them. It will it'll be really, really particular, but they haven't got the time to develop referees as much as they, they want to, because the bears have got an awful lot of hardware and nonsense. And it's just that's just the nature of the beast, it's always being framed. And it's like it's a shame. It is a real, real shame. Adio has got a little bit edgy. I know this sort of facts when we started, because we said we're going to do online learning before the FA did. Well, I still thought we were taking a job. It wasn't to be able to announce their job. A lot of them were like, not all of them, a lot of them were like, oh my God. Ooh. Because really, if you think about all the registration, what should be done online? Mm. You need an RDO to check all that. All the CRBs, you know, that sort of stuff, TBS. It's literally that, admin assistant stuff. That. That's the referees should be able to be there, do some formal development plan, developing referees, or developing the business, and maybe get a sponsor. It's probably, you know, a couple of grand at it to put events on. None of them seem to seek that. Just, I can't remember seeing or so-and-so's development group is sponsored by so-and-so. Yeah. Year, yeah. That should be the norm. That should be the norm. Hey, lads, we're gonna, what we're going to do, we're going to put a little buffy on. We're going to pay that club some money to put a buffy on for us. We're going to go into this game and watch that game and we'll have a chat after it. I think a lot of audios just don't have that sort of business sense. The, the, the Maybe the money generation Maybe they're just used to saying, okay, well, this is your budget, not thinking, well, how do I generate extra income? How do I make that budget stretch just a little bit more? Maybe that's just not their remit. Maybe they need people in that would be more BDMs, business development managers, yeah. to, to kind of enhance what they've got and also look for new revenue streams other than yeah. the traditional ones. I, I think also, when I, when I, I went to yesterday, I suggested to me about the just uh, you know the team sheets and the expenses that we always used to get to me. Team sheets goes to uh, God knows how many people, don't it? Yeah, we cope with how many people. Back then, like twelve years ago, that's a prime place to advertise. Yeah, on the back, how many people go to the expenses card? Who goes to the PR with money? Advertising on the back of that, or blank? So why don't we just do a deal with someone and you can say every single week? This is going to go to X amount of people as cards. Yeah. Yeah. Every know, every ref. We've got three of them every game, every week. So, I mean, that's a lot of coverage. His answer to me was uh, whatever I raise uh, through sponsorship, you'll just take off my budget at the top. So, it's not with the asset. That's what he said to me. I've also got, I've kept the email on. Sent me an email. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's going on. I can't see anything. Oh, uh, well, you know. Two steps. I mean, I can't even knock that new phone back up there. <laughs> um, is what we'll have to do is um, try and shut my beam before. <laughs> Hang on. This is going to be dead, dead funniness. Come on, are you still there? Can you see me? We're, yeah, we're still good. good. We're still yeah. good. 
And my phone's not here, my phone's in my bleeding kitchen. Big bucks in the MacBook, bulgy thing. I couldn't get rid of him. Um, I'll tell you what I was say. Sorry, what was it? Oh, yeah. So, on, so if you think about the, the, the way they frame the business where money that comes in from sponsorship gets taken off a budget, maybe that's something to do with. When it shouldn't be, should it should be an addition? Exactly. You should. Yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it should work. But if it's not working, then in local businesses as well, you know, and I'm sure that they're in your area as well, and and and, and Martin, obviously, you, you'll know them a lot, a lot better. But the, where where referees, I know there's one here that, that provide. I think he provides the balls for the Northern League. The the the. They're running their own businesses. They're referees who are already emotionally invested in refereeing, and and they would they would happily donate for for sponsorship to be involved with with refereeing and to support refereeing in their local area because they're already referees. They're already invested in refereeing. They care about refereeing. They're passionate about it. So I think that to think that there's absolutely nothing more that can be done is is not true. I think obviously where you have the reality is who whose decision is it? Does the RDO have the authority to make those decisions or not? Maybe make us there should be something and it's like, you know, it's a really honorable position to be in as a referee, isn't it? So you know, the guardian of standards and responsibility and trust. Some great brands would want to get involved in that. But yeah. it's just too political. If you do it at the top, none of it comes out of the grassroots. None of it. We did it at the National Referee Development Programme. Carlsberg was interested. Because there was too many people under the age of 18 in there, he didn't do it. But not There's people been sniffing around for a while. But I'm not really, I'm not really sure that I think it's all about control again. But there's no reason to me why each, each individual county FA can't get a, a, a business a sponsor them. I did it, I got, I told you before, years ago, £2,000 a year I used to get in. But I, we used to take people to Holland like we talked in the past. Yeah. That's just me. That's just me. Why can't other people do stuff like that? You know, it's 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 doable. It's definitely doable. For some reason, it must be political. It must be political. Because, or maybe they say, well, actually, why do we just get sponsors for the referees? Why am we getting it for the coaches that coach football? Why am we getting it? Might be that sort of nonsense involved. I don't know. But they, but, they, there's no reason that they can't. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'd be really interested to understand what the reason is. Because I know you just mentioned Carlsberg there. And I know that, uh, and we have to congratulate him, by the way, for just doing his, uh, in the last month, for just doing his first football league game. But I know Sam Allison, who you know, uh, Martin, um, I know he was involved quite a few years back now with, uh, was it a celebrity? Was it Prince William or someone? But I know that he was with another referee on a Carlsberg um, thing. You know, it was a, it was a Carlsberg-funded, whatever you want to call it. And that was about refereeing as well, and obviously about, the partnership that they'd built. So there's obviously a long-standing interest and it's about converting those things into, into opportunities so that they can obviously flourish with the, with the, with the backing of these, these companies. But look, look what's just happened at Nationwide Building Society. Did you see what they've just done? No. No? no. Absolutely lose my point. They sponsored the Respect Programme. Now, Where's that money going? It's going to happen. Respectful programs dead. What well, well, actually is the respect program? If you look on the, they've been on online, they've been on TV. Respect, they sponsored the respect program. 
Yeah. Why isn't it, why doesn't every referee know about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, things I don't know about that. Google, what is Google now? Nationwide building society, the ones that used to sponsor England are now sponsoring the rest of the, the FA respect program. If it is go, what is that going to look like? What's it getting used for? Who is it for? Yeah. I'm just I'm just looking at this thing here, Martin. This 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 Carlsberg thing was the FA Carlsberg referee awards. And it was Sam Allison who came down. So this must have been when he was sort of uh, more at grassroots level because it's quite a few years ago now and basically they've got you know the um, like the banners that you've got the roll banners yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah got two of them and they've got and it says here recognising and rewarding our referees and it's a picture of Sam and he's shaking hands with Howard Webb who at the time uh, they've got the Expedia so it tells you how long ago that was on the on the on the referees kit but it just shows you know the, the fact that they were not only keen investing on in, in refereeing, but also keen on recognizing and rewarding referees who are doing well. And I think that this is one of the things that we've touched on in the past, you know. If you don't recognize and reward referees enough, you don't know when they're going well, they don't know when they're doing right. And it and it for the good ones that deserve that that recognition, it gives them that little bit of motivation to get to the next level, the next next level. Because we've talked about it before as well. There's so much sacrifice goes into if you're Anthony Taylor, right? And he, who, who uh, it seems at the moment is, is the number one referee for, for England. You are you have gone through so much sacrifice. You know he's from uh, he's from Cheshire, isn't he? So he'll have been at, he'll have been at all sorts of places on a Tuesday night, and he'll have been all over the county. It's a big county, Cheshire. So you know you think about all those nights and all that sacrifice, and you know he's got wife and kids at home, and, and everything that you put into that. If a company like Carlsberg wants to reward and support referees, it gives them that, you know, year after year, they go out there and, and they try to push for promotion. It gives them that motivation to say, yes, I'm doing a lot of the right things. And it doesn't go unnoticed. And I and I am making progress with my referee. And it is something to be proud of, which I don't think enough of the time we hear as referees. No, I agree. Especially I agree. grassroots. I mean, you'll get recognition if you're part of a, a certain program or a development group or this or that. But who's kind of acknowledging the fella that's been chugging away for 10, 15, 20 years at grassroots, yeah. just gets on with it, doesn't really attend RA meetings because they're not his thing or he doesn't have the time. He yeah. or she, um, you know, I've automatically kind of masculined up this this fictitious person. But there's there's plenty of people like you say that that will sacrifice for the good of the game, receive very little reward, recognition, or thanks, but they just chug on with it anyway because that's what they do. I see the FA gives long service awards, but I don't recall ever seeing a referee getting one. <laughs> this is not a bone of contention for a few people because again, it goes right back to this favoritism and control. You'd be surprised how many get the awards. Anyone that's pissed off anyone doesn't get it. <laughs> I know loads of referees that's been around for years and hasn't got any long service awards yeah. because they've out or they're not trendy or they're not in with them. But little, little Mr. So-and-so who helps with this and helps with that for the county FA, he gets it on a day. He has a 25-year service. There's loads of that going on. I can ream the list off. But again, it's another problem. And I'm a bit of a doom and gloom mission on this episode, aren't I? <laughs> got you on a bad day. Yeah, yeah, lovely really stuff, good. gents. Thank you, as always. And thank you for watching at home. 